Hey, brother, what's up? What's good, Harsh? Uh, happy, um, what day did you say it was? Hanuman Jayanti. So today is the birthday of Lord Hanuman. Awesome. Are, are you doing any kind of celebration? A small puja, but nothing too much. I am not eating eggs today, so trying to eat more paneer. <laughs> <laughs> so when you cook your eggs, uh, like, are, are you eating it boiled or do you create omelets out of it? Like, how are you doing it? Fried eggs, usually fried eggs, mm-hmm. but sometimes boiled. It depends on how I'm having it. For example, like the cook doesn't stay at my home, right? She goes home at the night. So if I'm going to eat eggs, say, after our podcast, maybe at 12.30 or something, then probably going to ask her to keep them boiled and leave them there. But if I'm eating it as she's cooking it, then I'll have it fried. Okay. Do you ever get tired of it or you enjoy it? I like eggs. Eggs are really good. And lately I've been on a cut, right? So mm-hmm. eggs are very good for eating somewhere around lunch. You don't feel hungry for hours and hours. What about the paneer? You create curry out of it or is there a certain way to eat it? Ah, the paneer. So uh, it's a cottage cheese, right? The, I don't create a curry out of it. I just have mm-hmm. it stir fried in vegetables. So take a bunch of capsicum, some, what, what's the word for it? Tomatoes, some onion, some olives and some jalapeno. Stir fry that in ghee and stir fry your stir fry paneer in it and tastes really good. Your your cook does this for you or you know how to do it as well? I don't do any cooking. You don't do any. What if you wake up at like three in the morning and you're hungry? I starve. You starve? You don't have any like snacks or something? I know. It's a habit I don't want to pick up the whole, you know, midnight snacking. It's very bad for your health. Oh, yeah. And I would rather starve for like a couple of hours till I have to, you know, have my breakfast or lunch or whatever I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think about getting a room for your cook or does she prefer going back to her place? Man, that is not something I really do not want to do, to have the cook stay with me at night. It's mm. not safe for you, right? Because these are not these are not like rich people. They're not like it, it's not the safest thing to have a servant sleep in your house, especially a female servant. So ideally, you want your cook to have her own family and, you know, have a stable life outside of her job. Mm-hmm. So I am not going to have a servant stay overnight at my house. Was this always the case, though? Like, wasn't before, wasn't it the norm that your servant stayed with you? It was. And for many people, it still is. I just don't prefer it. Mm, okay. Yeah. Because I remember my trips to Bangladesh, like... Um, our maid used to stay with us. It's actually cheaper if you have them stay with you because they will accept a much lower salary if they can sleep in your house and eat the food there. Mm-hmm. If they have to pay rent, then of course they need to make more money. So a lot of people save money by having the servants stay overnight. But I don't see the point of it. And to be honest, it's not the safest thing to do. And it kind of disturbs the privacy of your house, right? I mean, any conversation you have, the servant might or might not overhear, then he might or she might talk to other servants about it. And just seems something, just seems like a bad thing to do for your own privacy and safety. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sometimes I heard like the, the servants become like an added family member. 
where when I was in Bangladesh, uh, we had a maid and what's the guy's version of a maid? What, what do you call that? You just call it a, a servant, maid. right? Yeah, a servant, yeah. So I, I thought maid was for girls. That was the title, but for guys, it was a different title. Whatever, servant. We used to call him Belal Bhaya. Like, Bhaya means brother. Because, brother. Yeah, like, w- me and my brother as little kids just viewed this guy as, like, a friend. But he technically worked for us. But he was just, he was a part of the family. Yeah, I know what you mean. For example, a lot of these servants, right, they will be serving the family for, say, a decade or more. Mm-hmm. So they kind of become a member of the family and are treated with, say, tasks that you would not ask, a, what do you say, a, a non-member to do. For example, if you need this, the servant to go and collect like a bag of cash, you wouldn't just, you would only give it to a servant who's like very loyal, right? Because you right. don't want the servant to run away with your bag of cash. Oh, yeah. Because I did hear that sometimes they steal. Sometimes they steal, yes. Sometimes, they, usually they don't steal stacks of cash. They might steal something like jewelry. Mm-hmm. In some households, right, where they don't care for their servants, the, the servants steal food, which is a bit sad, but... Yeah. Food in the sense that they might actually drink the milk in the fridge and things like that. How did you find your servant? My family found him. <laughs> oh, word of mouth. <laughs> word is of there, mouth, yes. Is, is there a service that pairs up uh, house owners and servants? There are. There are many services. And you can find like plumbers, carpenters, and all the help you need on those applications. But to be honest, it's usually better to go by word of mouth because with these apps, right, you can get hooked up with anybody. And mm-hmm. that person might be good, might rob your house. You, you just don't know, right? Right. Usually what happens with these servants is that they tend to come from specific parts of the country. Mm -hmm. And let's say someone has a good servant and you're looking for one and you kind of like, it's it's known that you're looking for a servant. Then some family member of this guy will like fly into your state and start serving you and you can give him a good wage. Gotcha. Did you ever have any like drama with any of your servants or is it always like business as usual? I have never had drama with my servants. I pay them really well as compared to everybody else. I pay them like almost double, sometimes more. Mm -hmm. And we give them food and, you know, medical help if they need it. So our servants treat us well and we treat them well. That's good. It's a nice synergistic relationship. Yeah, we ensure that the kids they have, they go to school because most of these servants, right, they don't really get the value of education as much as we do. Mm-hmm. For example, these servants, sometimes they'll do things like not send the kid to school because the kid needs to do some stupid menial task. Like he needs to go and fetch this thing from someone else's house. Mm-hmm. So today, no school for this kid. And we kind of ensure that the kids are going to school and getting educated. Okay. My mother is more social. Like she tries to teach the servants things, how to read and teach the children. So she is more, what's the word for it? Charitable in this regard. Do you know your servants' kids? Yeah. Oh, you do? Yeah. Do they call you do they call you harsh uncle? (laughs) Harsh uncle. Uh, Harsh (laughs) statue. Yeah, they call me Bhaiya, brother. Do they? How old are they? Like little kids or or almost around your age? No, they're little, they're little. 
Okay. Man, you so could, it depends you could, on that. I have money. I have multiple servants actually. Some of them have like older kids, some have like younger kids. Okay. You could start putting them on some game at this early age. Like this is what Bitcoin is. This is how you start a Twitter <laughs> account. This is how you start a business. <laughs> do you do you ever do that? Do you teach them? No, man. I don't I don't I don't. I don't have the time for it, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And my observation is that they don't have the what's the word for it the drive for it oh okay this sort of comes back to one of our previous discussions are entrepreneurs born or made like can you tell from any of them if they have potential or is it too early to tell you can tell when they have potential in the sense that a lot of these kids they have mobile phones now so they have smartphones mm-hmm. and many of them will just Whenever they're free, they'll just sit and watch TikTok or some reel or something and not really do anything. As opposed to some other servants who will be like, can you teach me this? Can you teach me that? And so it's you can tell when someone has more potential than other people. people humans are not the same. Even at a young age, you can tell. Right. It's like this. Have You remember when you were in classroom, like when you were in school, some kids were more attuned to education and they cared more for it as opposed to some kids who just wanted to have fun or bully other people. I do recall that. I recalled it more in college because in college you start to see different groups of kids because here, like you don't actually have to go to the lectures if you don't want to. So if you're even in lectures, that means like you made the choice to be there. But once you're there, like, how are you? Are you one of those guys that's just you know, texting the entire time? Or are you one of the kids in the front that's asking questions? Uh, there was this one really smart kid named Jesse. And I just recalled a bunch of the other engineers were so jealous of him uh, because <laughs> he would always just answer all the questions. And all the other kids were just like, what's this guy's deal? So you would think that Jesse was this very arrogant guy because he knew so much, but he was so like laid back as well. So it's one of those things where you can tell, but this is where this is where I am different from a lot of people. Like I do know a lot of individuals who are like, if you're book smart and school, you're probably going to be successful overall. I've noticed that when you're really book smart in school, you start to think in a very fixed sort of way, where we're thinking that Jesse was going to like take over once he graduated from College of Engineering, but this guy, I mean. He just didn't have that. Like he was a great engineer, but he couldn't see the overall bigger picture. He was just a a very good worker in that regards. It's difficult to predict, man. Like I mean, like some kids will come to school like uh, with a lot of drive and curiosity, and sometimes you'll see a kid at school just lollygagging, like looking to have fun. But the guy that's looking to have fun is just in the wrong environment. Like he doesn't want to be in school. He wants to be doing something more practical. So it's like, it's very difficult to tell from like just looking at the kids in school, who's going to be somebody and who's not. I agree with you there. And I think that it takes a lot of different things to be successful in life, not just education. Mm -hmm. However, having good education and being good in school is a strong indicator that you will be successful if you start a business. Because a lot of success comes down to work ethic. How hard are you willing to work? 
And a lot of these people who just want to have fun in school, they also just want to have fun in life. They do not work as hard as someone who really wants to grind, who really wants to put in the work. Yeah. I mean, you so, got to be scrappy. You have to have the work ethic and the balls to start a business. Because a lot of people they they are really smart, but they can't do anything except work from work for someone else. Simply because starting a business takes a lot of balls and guts and the fact that you have to handle uncertainty. You, you have a saying for this. All you need are brain cells and balls. <laughs> right? Ah, I like that saying. <laughs> no, you you said that. I saw that on one of your tweets. Oh, I did. Nice. Yeah, I was like, man, that's, that's catchy. <laughs> All you need are brain cells and balls. <laughs> I don't even remember saying that, but I did. It's <laughs> one of your tweets I saved. I, I, every now and then I bookmark a tweet when it like has that fire in it. I was like, I, I like this one. That's true, though, man. I mean, one thing you can't ever automate is the work ethic part. Where th- this is where it really comes down to, um, like how you're structuring school. Like if you see bachelor's programs, like uh, that's known as undergraduate, they're very focused on like tests and pop quizzes and that sort of stuff. But if you ever see the master's programs, they don't really have that many tests and quizzes and stuff. It's more so about teamwork. Like can you organize yourself in a team and make something happen at the end of the, the semester? So in my undergrad, my final GPA once I graduated, it was like a 3.1, which is like pretty bad. I got the degree anyways. But in my master's program, I had straight A's throughout the entire program. I never got a B. So it's like, it really comes down to what you're optimizing for. Like some kids, they will study their ass off, but they will still get a C on the exam. And some kids, like they'll get an A on the exam and they'll be like, well, I didn't even study. Like some guys are just naturally good test takers. Were you like that? Did you mention you're a naturally good test taker? I don't know about being naturally good at taking tests, but mm. usually I would study a day or two before the exam. And I would do well in general. I have, I, my grasping power to learn things is fast. So I can learn things quickly. Mm-hmm. And my memory is also good. I don't memorize things, but I can remember what I have learned. So, yeah, but I would typically study a day or two before the exam across my life, except for CA, obviously, because the syllabus is too big. CA is? Chartered Accountancy. Chartered Accountancy. It's okay, a degree the... which has a super low passing rate. It's, 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 uh, it has the syllabus itself is like the books are as tall as me. Mm, yeah, that's the one that you like had to reorganize your life for, right? Yeah, it's the one I had to gain to 20 kilos for like, sitting in my house for like six months just logging it gaining weight eating a lot and the only thing i was doing from morning to evening was studying and yeah man that was like a that was a crazy time all i did was study are you a um like a solo studier or you like groups i have never managed to study in a group it's just all talking and having fun it doesn't really <laughs> go doesn't go yeah what about you? Um, I prefer groups in terms of studying. Um, well, it really depends on the topic at hand. Like if it's one of those, uh, if it's one of those tests where everything's mechanical, it's more about you memorizing formulas and just executing the programs. 
then I prefer that being by myself. But when it's more creative in nature, I prefer the groups. So, see, that's why masters was clutch. It's because you're working in groups. You're seeing like who's good at what. You're starting to see like everyone. You could say everyone is equal, but everyone's not the same. Equal as in like we all are going to either get an A or a B or whatever on this project, but we're not the same because Toby is amazing at public speaking, while Alice is amazing at powerpoints and such. So with master's programs, like you're seeing the real world in action more than undergrad programs. Um, so, so you were, you're saying like most likely like a like a good student. At what age were you like? I'm not really thinking about college. So. There was did no Harsh have a, or, yeah, did Harsh have an origin story? He's like, I'm fed up with this. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I finished my high school, right? So 12th grade for you guys. I finished my, sorry, high school for you guys, 12th grade for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I started doing my chartered accountancy, so my CA. And CA is not considered to be a college degree. It's a professional qualification. So you're supposed to do a graduation on the side. So I went and I enrolled in graduation and I got into a really good college. It's it's one of the best colleges in the country. And I went there for maybe like three weeks or something. And the only thing they were teaching us was really dumb, like how to calculate averages. So they were teaching me at maybe 18 or 18 years old, things I had learned in eighth grade, like how to calculate a weighted average. And mm. it was just dumb and it had stupid shit like, you know, eco-feminism, how the, you know, the earth is a woman and we're supposed to be feministic towards it. And I was like, this is heck? bullshit. I'm waking up at seven o'clock in the morning. I'm waking up at six, five, 30, five, 36 o'clock in the morning, reaching here at seven, only to be trolled by these guys learning how to calculate <laughs> an average. And I was like, I'm out of here. I'm not wasting any more of my time. How old were you? I was 18 years old, I think. 18, okay. Maybe younger, I don't remember. I I think maybe 17. This is back in 2014, I think. Mm -hmm. Or 13. A long time ago. Right. So I, I withdraw from my college. And all the teachers are shocked, right? These college teachers are like, Huh, someone actually dropped out of this college. This is supposed to be one of the best colleges in the country where people compete to get in. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I want to have nothing to do with this. This is, a, this is bullshit. Like, you're not teaching me anything. And I remember telling one of the teachers while I was dropping out that I would be happy to come here, but you actually need to teach something. You can't be telling me how to take averages. This is a waste of my time. You told the and teacher that? I told the teacher that and teacher is looking at me like you, the girl, the girl and this kid, <laughs> the brain cells and balls of this kid. <laughs> and he's explaining to me that he agrees with me, but unfortunately they have to follow the syllabus. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm like, that's fine, but this is not, this is not valuable enough for my time. I, I can do other things. I can learn other things. I can actually sleep mm-hmm. and that will be better for my health than, coming here and learning something I already know. And I tell, told him this, this whole, this other thing, right? this whole religious thing, thing you're teaching me, like this whole eco-feminism, that's bullshit. 
And he's like, mm. I know it's bullshit. So the professor was not an idiot. Right. And he's like, I don't decide the syllabus, but I just have to teach it. So I dropped, I dropped out of college. So yeah, that's a story of me in college. I went there for like three or four weeks before getting super annoyed by it. So and within those three to four weeks, did you build any friends who are just like trying to talk you out of it? Or it's too short of a time to build any friends like that? Oh, no, I made a lot of friends in those in that month. Of course, were, I'm not they, in touch with them. Or they're like, harsh, don't go. You're making a big mistake. No, because at 18 and 17, my boys are like, okay, do it. Let's see what happens. <laughs> oh, no, so they, they, were, they were like telling you to do it. Oh, what about your parents? What was their attitude? So they were not telling me to do it, like the, the friends of mine, but they were, they, they kind of felt the same way, but they didn't have the balls to do it themselves. Mm-hmm. My family was surprisingly extremely supportive. I just told my dad, okay, I need to quit this college. It's a waste of my time. And I'm doing the CA thing. And my dad looks at me and he's like, okay. And literally the next day we went and quit college. That was the end of it. And so your mom? It, my mother was like, cool. Like, if you think that's the best thing you need to do, then you should do it. And uh, yeah, so this is what a about, time of my life. What Go about on. the uncles and aunties? Or are they just like, what is, what is Harsh Babu doing? Yeah, the uncles and aunties don't really care about me as much. Oh, really? Like they, yeah, yeah. I, I, in the sense, they they have their thing, but my family doesn't care about them. Like they don't, they don't care about their opinions to change my decision. And yeah, so my family was very supportive. I just dropped out the next day. Like literally, I told them in the evening that I'm dropping out tomorrow. And my dad went to me with, the, you know, went with me to the college. We dropped out. Mm. And you know, I got my fees back. Interestingly, I got my fifty right. bucks back. <laughs> <laughs> but you weren't seeing anyone else doing stuff like this, right? Were, were you somewhat of a pioneer within your bubble of doing something like that? After I quit college, one more person I know quit college, following my example. I think two people, two people quit college, so that was a good thing. But mm. those two people kind of did not have the same trajectory as me. So I don't recommend people drop college because I can observe their experience. Those guys are completely broke now. Like They don't have a degree and they couldn't finish their CA. So now they're like high school graduates in India. So they're fucked. So this mm. is why on the internet, right, when I'm blasting advice, I don't tell people like go and drop college because it may or may not work. It worked fabulously for me. But it might not work for you. It depends on how intelligent you are and whether you start a business or not. Mm-hmm. It really comes what down about, to the circumstances. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it comes down to the circumstances. But if you were just asking me, if I was talking to someone, like if I was talking to the 18-year-old version of me and he's asking me, Harsh, whether I should quit college or not, I would be like, of course, you should quit college. This place is wasting your time. And you should just sleep more instead. And that's literally what I did. I didn't use that time in the morning for anything else. I just slept more. You're like a... You you weren't doing stuff like the 5 a.m. challenge then. No, no, no. I was, I was 17, 18. I was sleeping. Mm, okay. Yeah, man. I mean, like, for... Like, for me, like people dropping out of college wasn't really a thing um i mean all this new 
like marketing stuff that you see, especially on YouTube where people are, you know, nowadays proposing the alternate paths, we have to realize like the internet ages in like dog years, <laughs> like one year in the internet is like seven human years where things move fast. So in like 2009, like people weren't really moving out of, or, or like just dropping college like that. It was, it was always a possibility, I guess, but in 2009, 2010, there weren't that many online opportunities. Like that's when Facebook was just becoming a thing. And people were like, did you hear about this Facebook thing? But the idea of like, let's say creating eBooks or creating a course, uh, getting ad revenue wasn't really even a concept then. So when you were dropping out, it was like, what, like 2014, 15-ish range? I think it was 13, 14. I'll have to do some math to figure it okay. out. Yeah, yeah. So like, as I said, like internet years, age like dog years. But you weren't even doing online business then. You were doing CA for how long? You said it takes a year? It takes three, four, it takes four years, if I remember correctly. So it's how been did a you, long time. So how did you hear about online business? I was reading these blogs. I was reading Cernovich's blog, if you remember, uh, Danger in Play. Mm -hmm. And I was very inspired by it. And I kind of found Victor Pride's blog from it. And with Victor Pride, I found uh, the Wall Street Playboys, which now go by Bowtied Bull. So I was reading these blogs very regularly back when I was 16, 17, 15, 14. I think when I was 15 years old, I started reading those blogs. And they kind of had a strong impact on my personality, obviously, because I was at the age where they would impact me. Mm -hmm. and. I was always into, a, I was more of a businessy person since the beginning in the sense that even as a kid, I would be like, I'm not going to work for anybody, even as a five-year-old. And they kind of, these blogs kind of took me, they gave me the practical tools I needed to start a business. So yeah, that's kind of how I got introduced to the world of online business, because I remember my dad telling me about business that you need to like get off the computer and start doing a business because sitting in your room on a computer, you're not gonna, you're not gonna do anything. And I'm telling him that sitting in my room on my computer, this is like the place <laughs> to be doing business at. This is, this is my business, dad. Yeah, this is, I remember saying that line, like, this is the business to be in. Right. And this was like the, I was just starting out with affiliate marketing back then. This is before the LMM times. And, uh, I remember like the first income I was making. It was, it was a good time. <laughs> this was way before all this COVID bullshit, all the inflation bullshit, where the dollar was still a good currency, mm -hmm. and uh, you know where you could send out a tweet, get hits without like getting shadow banned. You could you could post like spam links on Reddit and get money. It was a oh, different yeah. era. It yeah. was a different era. It, it was the wild wild west back then. Yeah, it was a different era. You could make much more than, say, minimum wage in your country by the spamming links. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There was actually this point in my like online business career uh, where I was doing affiliate marketing, but but this was known as uh, global campaigns. So I did it for pop-ups. It's called pop ads and display ads. And, man, I spent like a, like a year and a half just trying to figure it out. I started to make money. But within affiliate marketing, especially the global scale, there's different niches. Like some people like try to get you to download like wallpapers. Other people try to get you to download, um, what, what is it? Uh, 
like those video games, Harsh. And then one day, so I was on this forum. It was called STM Forum. I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. some people Stack have heard money. of it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've heard of it? Were you on it? Yeah, it costs 100 bucks a month right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Were you on it? No comment. Okay, no comment. Uh, I'm not going to say my actual name, but I was on it. And one day, like one of the big guys from the forum, uh, like he ends up joining this mastermind that I'm in and he starts to coach me. He's like, you're in the wrong niche, uh, dear boy. I was like, am I? Like, what niche should I be in? And he's like, uh, adult. I was like, adult? What does that mean? And he was basically telling me to get into like the adult, like porn niche. <laughs> so basically, I'm supposed to buy like ads for them and try to get them to download like these wallpapers. And he's like, instead of doing pop up campaigns, you need to do display. So I kid you not, Harsh, for the next like two to three months, I'm over here like legitimately watching fucking porn. Right. And I'm over here screenshotting like <laughs> clickable <laughs> thumbnails and I'm doing like these. Whoa, mar- it's for business. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. So I started to make money. Like I was starting to make like a decent amount of money every day. And this guy was like coaching me. He's like, you need to do this. You need to do that. And he starts to tell me about like, like the, the cartoon porn. He's like, there's a market for that. Did you know about that? So I'm like, man, like I need to outsource this. So I'm trying to like, this is when Upwork was becoming more of a thing. You could hire like these virtual assistants. So I get an, uh, an assistant from uh, the Philippines and I'm telling him what he needs to do. I'm like, I need you to watch this much porn and I need you to clip the clickable thumbnails. And soon enough, I found out that this is a, a task that requires creative thought because he's over here getting these thumbnails that suck. <laughs> and I'm like, bro, no one's going to click on that. So it, it was something that was difficult to outsource <laughs> and i'm just like that's what i'm starting to think i'm like okay i'm making money but this this way that i'm making money is so freaking toxic i don't know if i want to do this anymore so I, after that period i'm just like you know like I, i'm out of this and that's when i started like the like the sports thing that i was telling you about but that was a period man where i was like affiliate marketing has a lot of potential but this is back when it was the wild wild west like you just find a high traffic site, you slap on pop-ups or display ads and you sell a product, you collect the commission and boom, you just rinse and repeat. Man, affiliate marketing is still a money-making machine. If you have a nice email list, you oh, can yeah. print money day and night. Oh yeah. You, well, you have to do it the right way. Like the way that I was doing it was like, like it was more so like arbitrage, but I think what you're talking about is more so like building a business. Man, there are affiliate sites that I have that still make me like five, six hundred bucks a month that I haven't touched in years. Yeah, I mean, it gets insane. you thinking about time differently. It's insane how amazing affiliate marketing is. It's a great business to be in. Mm-hmm. The only thing is that it's hard. You can't teach it to anybody because everything is so easy to copy. Yeah. In the sense, let's say you mention that you have this affiliate site. I anyone can make a copy of it in like one hour. Oh yeah. So. Everybody tries to protect the, you know, what sites are working for them. So there's a, so every once in a while, I'll have someone from Twitter reach out to me. Hey, Harsh, why don't you make a course in affiliate marketing? <laughs> like that course is going to lose me money. <laughs> you want me to expose them? You want me to expose myself? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of businesses which are very easy to copyright. Uh, not just 
affiliate marketing, like these affiliate niche sites, but also simple China-based products. Like if you're drop shipping some successful product, you don't want to tell anybody that it's working really well because oh, yeah, that, no. that'll invite a lot of competitors really fast and kill the profits. Right. Because if it's because there was this thing called a shoebox test, where if you were going to sell actual products on Amazon, you wanted to make sure that it fits in an actual shoebox. This helps you out tremendously with like the shipping costs and all of that. So people already had like this target that they were looking for in like this research tool called I believe it was called Jungle Scout or something. But if you found a product that worked for you, you wanted to keep it hush hush because other people are already like somewhat targeted in looking for these small products and they know like okay i shouldn't be looking at like digital products because there's a lot of complexity and me shipping it from china to here like, they knew a, a lot of these mental hooks so if you found a product you were like man i can't believe it like i just want to keep it to myself um because it's so easy to copy over there it's it's so easy to copy with these businesses you just want to shut up and not tell anybody that you have them Right. Because people are inevitably going to ask you, like, so what's, what's your niche site? And I'm like, I'm not going to tell you what's my niche site. I'm, do I look dumb to you? Right, right, right. And it's a harmless question until, uh, unless you're like a seasoned guy. You're like, I'm not going to tell you that. Yeah, but if you don't tell people that, then they kind of feel like, hey, wh- why is he not telling me anything? Does he not trust me? Like you're, But you, you just like, they don't understand, right? Most people do not understand this business. They don't understand it's super easy to copy and paste. And it's just one of those things. So I remember making a fake site. I remember making a site which was useless, not making any money. Mm-hmm. And telling people that, you know, this is the affiliate niche site that I have. Because they would keep <laughs> asking me, right? like, what do you do? I'm an affiliate marketer. So can you show me your site? Like, this is my site. So if they, even if they copy the site, nothing is going to happen. And, you know, people are, the, or at least the people in India, I, I would see like, you know, these uncles and aunties, their children would like come up with the same site as mine. Mm. And they're like, I do the same thing now. That's not going to work for you. <laughs> they actually had like this service. I forgot the name of it, where they could literally steal someone else's funnel. Man, what was the name of the site? Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, something like built with. Something like that. But it's, it's like if they have an entire software that teaches you how to steal someone's funnel, I'm pretty sure they could do something like that with affiliate marketing. So when like your cousins, uncles, aunties come up to you, you normally say you're an affiliate marketer? I now, you... Nowadays, I say I have a software company. Okay. Okay. See, that sounds... It sounds more respectable. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because when whenever you say anything, like let's say you say entrepreneur or something like that, it... It's like, it creates a lot of red flags in uncles and aunties' minds. They're like, what does that exactly mean? Does he even have... Yeah, he's like a starving artist sort of thing. (laughs) So it's like, man, you got to actually like word it appropriately. Yeah, so for strangers, right? I will typically tell them I'm unemployed or something and they would laugh it off. But with family, right? You can't do that. You can't say I'm unemployed because they take it as like disrespect. Mm -hmm. So they don't take it as a joke. So with oh, yeah. family, you have to give them like a legit answer without going too deep into it. Yeah. And and the more of like an online business it is, the more you could confuse them. So you really need to be precise with your words. 
Yeah, you need to be precise and you kind of don't want to give them, you don't want to give people discussion matter over it. Because the way these things work is that, you know, if you're, if you're making decent amount of money, right, it's going to show that you're making money because your car is going to be better than them and your house is going to be bigger and the watch is going to be expensive and people are going to notice that you make money. They're not dumb. Mm-hmm. And even if you're, even if you are, say, practicing stealth well, someone entering your house, they can see the house is expensive, right? Or the location you live at is very expensive. Mm-hmm. So if you give them material to discuss, like this is my business, then it's going to become the talk of the town and the families are going to be like, they'll, they'll tell the kids, hey, you should try the same thing. And I don't have a problem with them trying the same thing. But once they know like this exact site is making money, their copies are going to start popping up everywhere. I've made this mistake before. and you, Have you? you just, yeah, I have. And you end up with like your product being copied as is. Mm-hmm. And then you can't even say anything because the guy who's copying it is related to you. Yeah, I was going to ask who stole from you. You're like a cousin? I uh, don't get into it, but... Don't get into it, okay. Yeah, I mean, that, that's not annoying. You can't thing. say anything. It's like, you can't even say anything. You can't be like, hey, you're stealing my product because, you know, from his perspective, he's like this guy, he's trying to make some extra money and instead of being supportive, you're kind of beating his ass here. Well, an, an, yeah, yeah, actually, that's true. An, another thing is when they figure out that you're doing some sort of online business, you're making some money. Now they want to do it too. And sometimes their version of wanting to do it is having you do it for them. So like, there's this guy that like, it runs like a pretty famous, like practice where he does Botox on people's lips and he has a decent following on Instagram. And one day I just joke around. I'm like, bro, you should like write like a, like a guide or a book on something like this. Like you should monetize this audience that you have. And he's just like, how do I do it, man? So I'm like over here giving him some tips on how to set up a Gumroad page. And you know how easy it is to set up a product on Gumroad, right, Harsh? Yeah, it's super simple. This guy's like, oh, this, this is too confusing. Oh, uh, Armand, man, uh, okay, help me out. Help me out. I'm like, what do you mean? And he, he's basically saying, like, do it for me. And like, he wants me to find him, like, a, like, get the book formatted. I'm like, bro, you don't need to do all that. Just write it and upload it. But it's like when you kind of open Pandora's box, now like this guy wants to like have you do the work for him because you never know what someone's technical abilities are. Like for guys like you and me, Gumroad is like the easiest platform to upload a product on. And, you know, you could use a little bit of fiber and Upwork to you know design the product. But for someone else who does not deal with this at all, they're just automatically confused when they hear another word that they're not used to. Gumroad? Now their brain starts malfunctioning. Yeah, a lot of people, were, they don't even make the effort of trying to do it themselves. They're like, okay, let me just call Arman or Harsh and get it done. I'll give you an example. Mm-hmm. I have a friend, a family friend, who runs one of the biggest charities in the city. It's, they, did a lot, they did a lot of work during COVID where they were giving out free meals to people and you know preventing people from starving. So nothing against a charity. Mm-hmm. But... It's like an old school charity and they recently set up a website. Cool. And now they wanted to take donations from, you know, the these Razorpay and all these sites on their on their account. So they wanted like a donation page on their website. And he's like, he's asking me, Harsh, can you help me out with this? And I'm like, sure. So of course, I'm not going to charge him anything. It's a charity and I like this guy. So free work. Mm-hmm. So I spend a couple of hours. I set it up. And now people can go and click on the site 
and you know get money nice. but apparently this person he's not done like he's old obviously he doesn't know but the, he needs to have someone on his team do this not me but he doesn't know what web hosting is he doesn't know what a domain is and mm-hmm. his web hosting expires and he's like my website is not working and he kind of expects me to spend the entire day rebuilding his site because the hosting company deleted it because he did not pay the hosting bill like even though the hosting company was emailing him regularly like your hosting is expiring right he's like i just i just ignored them because i didn't know what it meant i'm like you're supposed to know these things you're running the business not me mm-hmm. so i mean he's a great guy he's helped out a lot of people he's prevented people from starving saved lives and everything else but and i, I know he means well, he means well but you cannot put so much on someone's side right you cannot Like it's free work that I'm doing for him, and like I don't have the time to sit up and redo a website. You need to pay someone else to do it. Yeah. Or, or this is some. These are things you should have learned by now. You know what web hosting is since you have a website. But since everything gets done for them by someone else, they just don't bother to figure these things out. They're like, if something breaks, I can just call Harsh. Oh yeah, and, and the thing with this sort of work is that it's more invisible in nature. Where let's say your toilet stops working and you call your plumber friend and he fixes it, it's something that you could see with your eyes, but something like a website and stuff like you're just it's beyond your sense perception. You're just seeing this guy clicking a bunch of buttons uh, on the computer, so you don't really know that this person is putting in a different version of the work of uh, fixing the toilet. Um, I'm talking about just the work related stuff. and they completely are blind to that so the next time that they ask you for that they think you're not really doing that much work they're like oh well you know like he did it so quick he did it so effectively and it's like no it's still work at the end of the day yeah they don't get it they don't get it yeah. but you can't blame them you know in their life experience it's it doesn't exist they don't they don't understand what we're doing right but Yeah, so I had to like kind of lagging it so that they would understand that they need to hire somebody. For example, the website breaks. Yeah, of mm-hmm. course I can fix it, but I'm free next Sunday, so the site stays broken for ten days and then it gets fixed. You do that two, three times, they hire someone to do it for them regularly. Right, and it's like, fam, I still got a business to run myself, so it's uh, like you never know. That that's why I I try to keep Armani talks very separate from my personal life. and i'm sure you've done a good job in doing that cuz you know besides your parents i'm not assuming that your relatives know about life math money very few people very few people mhm i mean i'm not afraid to show my face or anything i just don't see the point of it and i talk about things like bitcoin so I, yeah it sounds smart. not the smartest move yeah but no no people can take advantage of you at times and you could see their dark sides especially running a business where in my last job there was this one guy that i barely knew like i talked to him like two like two times right and one day somehow he finds out about armanitalks.com and he notices that i um give a free 15 minute consultation session and he's over here like dming me like we're like long lost best friends He's like Armani. I didn't know you did this. This is so cool. Like, I really love your content. Uh, can I please get a 15 minute call with you? And I was just like, Well, what's it about? Because you got to fill out an application. And my business is centered around like public speaking, writing skills, and stuff like that. Bro, the 
issue that he's trying to approach me with is not within my domain. Basically, his girlfriend wants to see other people, and he wants to know if he should uh, like be okay with that. Oh, uh, basically, basically, he oh, just like, have, yeah. Have you ever heard of the word cucking before? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, bro, I'm like, dude, um, like, exclude the oh, business my. conversation. I'm like, exclude the business conversation real quick. You're talking to just me, the person. I would not go for that. Um, and by the way, Armani Talks does not do like relationship advice. If you want relationship advice, and then I refer him to Taylor Burroughs. You know Taylor? Yeah. Like smart the girl, smart girl. yeah yeah relationship coach. I'm like that's more of your thing, but in his mind he thinks like I'm his like like he trusts me for some reason. He's just like no nah, man like I only trust you with this issue, and I'm just like no nah, no nah, bro I'm I'm not about it. And he's like trying to pay me money. Like at first he was trying to weasel himself some free consultation sessions. I'm like I, I could talk to you as like a friend, but you know <laughs> this isn't advice. But then he's like trying to like actually give me like good money uh, to like talk him through this and this is where like it was like an ethical thing for me i'm like nah man this isn't something that i feel comfortable giving advice in all of that stuff i'll just give it to him advice as friends and he just keeps going up more and more i'll pay you this much amount this much amount i'm like no bro like that's not gonna happen but i'm over here seeing this guy's dark side at this point you see and i'm just like bro like i don't need to see all that Interesting. I would have taken the money and be like, "Don't do it." No, End man, of consultation. This is the well. This is where like you know, you never know someone's weird side. Like then, like you know, because I could tell like something's wrong with this guy's head. So he could spend like the next like ten, fifteen like months like just trying to sue me. So some weird shit happens here, bro. Where like people sue over the weirdest things. So I'm like, I'm not even trying to like cloud myself with that energy. Like money, I, I have enough of. I'm not going to take. I call that blood money. I I, I don't need blood money from anyone. Cock money. <laughs> <laughs> Man, bro, I was like, I was like, dude, like, I don't know what you're thinking. Like, why are you even like entertaining this? Why are you even spending this much? Potentially spending this much money, asking. Like, some people just don't know how to think things through. Like, they they just like need others to guide them through like basic stuff. Why do you think he was willing to consider the option his girlfriend was giving him or wife was giving him? Man, so I actually like so this is like um like a really fat. I actually thought he was gay for the longest time. Like you ever heard of a thing called a bear before? A bear, like the animal. Yeah, well, like the the saying the bear, like it's like a gay guy with like like really fat like beard like he. It's hard to like put it in words, but there's actually a phrase. I thought he was like a bear. Um, I don't know. We don't have gays here in India. Okay, so basically, uh, a bear, like you know, there's certain uh, like gay guys that are like really feminine. Some guys you can't tell that they're gay, like they're very sporty. And other guys are like really fat. They're like, hey, like you know, uh, and like they have like a beard, like double chin, all of that. I just know that that's the phrase. And I thought this guy was a bear for a long time. So when he's just like, "Hey, uh, my girlfriend wants to see uh, other guys," I'm like, "Wait, you have a girlfriend?" So I think in his <laughs> mind, yeah, I think in his mind, like she was way beyond his league. So the fact that he even had a girlfriend was just like, you know, like th- that was a miracle for him. So that's why he was more willing to consider that idea. 
Oh man, I just, I'm just googling the term bear gay, and man, this is a bit of a mess. <laughs> so he looked like that second picture. Oh man, no, no, but he wasn't like that guy. Looks like a fatter version of him. I have nothing against gay people. I think that. If they're gonna exist, they better look like this than look like you know something creepy. Like these look like normal people, right? Uh, well, I don't even know, man. Oh man, <laughs> I don't want to get to this. You're you're about to you're about to get <laughs> our second episode uh, <laughs> ban <laughs> striked. <laughs> so I was just like, man, um. So yeah, so that was one of those weird situations of like, uh, like a, you, you see some dark parts of people. Some people like you know like some people um, will always ask their friends for like discounts. Like, hey, can I get a discount on that? So that's another dark side. Have you ever had that moment where someone's trying to uh, get stuff for free from you? Like you mentioned that story, but any of your other businesses? Are not really. A lot of that happens. No, I don't sell products, right? But if someone finds out I know how to set up a server, and you know they're starting something, they'll be like, "Harsh, can you fix this issue?" And then they expect me to spend two hours trying to fix the Apache issue they're having, simply because they don't want to pay for a managed site or something like that. Right. And uh, it's just, you know, people find out you're techie, they expect you to solve the tech problems. Right. Doesn't happen that often, but. It does happen every once in a while, and sometimes you just have to do it because the person is family, or you know you don't want to spoil the relationship. You say, "Okay, fine, I'll do it. Or I'll have someone do it. I'll have someone from my team go to your office and do it for you. Not to worry." Mm-hmm. I'm not against it, you know. I mean, sometimes we all ask for favors. Like I've asked for favors every once in a while. I need something. I don't know, and I'll ask someone who does know, and I'll get it for free usually. So it's more of a give and take type of thing, right? Yeah. So what are you good at? I'm, I know taxes. I did my chartered accountancy. Someone mm-hmm. has a tax question. They might just ring me every once in a while. Um, I might just tell them, you know, the right way to proceed. I might have a question about filming and things like this or anything I don't really know much about. And it's fairly easy for me to get the right answer. Man, with favors, you need to really be mindful because... And one of the best ways to be mindful of favors is to view it as invisible money. Because sometimes people, there's two types of people out there. Like one person, like they love to ask for favors. They cough a little bit. They're like, they're like, hey guys, I'm sick. Who wants to bring me some chicken noodle soup? Uh, they need a ride to the airport. They're quick to ask for favors. There's one group like that. Now another group, they feel very uncomfortable asking for favors. Like I actually had someone email me recently who asked me, like, why does he feel so uncomfortable asking for favors? And there's typically three reasons for that. One reason is because you were raised by, like, hyper self-sufficient parents who are just like, even if you borrow 50 cents from your friend, you pay your friend back immediately. Never be in debt to others. Another reason is because a favor was used as a power play, uh, power play in the future. Let's say you pay two months of your girlfriend's um, rent because she just got fired. And then in the future, you're just like, see, like you owe me like X, Y, and Z. You would have been homeless without me. Second reason. And third reason is because you just feel like you could do the task better yourself. Regardless, like people have a very like 
strange relationship with favors. And I notice you make a lot better decisions if you view favors as invisible money. So which group are you in? I'm in the latter group. Like I, I find it pretty difficult to ask for favors, even though I've gotten better throughout the years. Uh, but um, yeah, I'm not a guy that likes to ask too much for favors. And if I do, and here's the thing, if anyone is like me, that's like, man, I'm like that too. And I ask you for a favor, I always equalize it with, hey, um, uh, instead of asking them for behaviors, I ask them for explanations. So rather than like, let's say I'm trying to uh, learn Facebook ads, right, Harsh? Mm -hmm. uh, instead of me saying, hey, can you set up a campaign for me? I'm like, what are some resources that you would recommend that I learn from mm. this? So this is much, this eases me in and it makes me more comfortable. And in addition to this, some people aren't even comfortable with that. Uh, one thing that I bring up in my book, Synergy, is you could equalize it by offering them lunch, um, buying their lunch. And this is one of the most underrated tricks out there where I'm like, hey, uh, do you have some resources? Can I ask you some questions in regards to Facebook ads? Uh, I'll take you out to lunch. Now, from their perception, like a lot of this knowledge is like common sense. So it feels like you're doing them the favor because you're buying them lunch mm, and people love smart. it. Yeah, people <laughs> love it when you buy them lunch, bro. So it kind of like equalizes you getting the favor, but not being in debt. Hmm. That's what a good of, way. That's yeah. What kind of guy? Way. What kind of guy are you? Do you like asking for favors or do you feel uncomfortable or more in the middle ground? I will typically not ask for a favor unless I have to. Mm. Simply because I just don't like owing things to people. Mm. In the sense that you know, someone does you a favor. Now, if they ask for a favor, you have to say yes. So I don't like being in that debt. I also don't like getting gifts for the same reason. I just don't like it. Okay, now I have to give him something or her something. And it's an issue with girls because girls will bring you stuff and be like, I, I'm like, oh man, please don't bring me stuff. I don't So they throw you a surprise birthday party. Yeah, that actually happened, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. And then you like, then you owe them something back, right? And I find that I, I just don't like the feeling of owing people anything. Right. So I typically do not ask for favors. But when I do ask for a favor, it will typically not be something like, can you do this for me? It would be like, so can you show me how to do this? Or can you, sh you know, share your knowledge with me or something? Unless if it's something like related to the, some power they have, you know, it's like I'm a government minister or something like, and I need something done. Then, you know, of course, can you get this done for me, please? Or tell the person who can get this done for me to get this done for me. Right. Do you have a reason why you don't like asking for favors? Or, or your parents normally like, teaching hyper self-sufficiency growing up or did anyone pull a fast one on you because they did a favor for you did they try to make a power play well not particularly except i i think i picked it up from my parents because my family does not like getting favors they're 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 very annoyed by it and yeah even me right if someone does me a favor then i'm like okay then i have to be extra kind to this person because they did me a favor and that's just like, I, I don't enjoy the feeling of having that burden. I just don't like it. Yeah. And sometimes you want to open up opportunities. Like for guys like you and me, you, you still want to open up opportunities where you allow someone to do a favor for you. Because if you're always doing something for someone, it's a psychological thing. It's called the law of reciprocation, 
they're eventually going to feel a little weird. They're like, man, I got this guy's always doing stuff for me and I never do anything back for them. And that's why I like having a little portal that's open to do something for you helps them out psychologically. And what I do, like an example of that is with my newsletter, I'm normally not selling that many things on my newsletter. I'm literally just <laughs> writing an actual newsletter that's teaching someone about social skills, public speaking, creative writing, and much more. And, you know, I'm over here giving value to others. And eventually they're like, oh, man, like, I got to, he's not even selling me anything. What gives? But what I do is on the bottom of my newsletter, I link it to my shop, um, to the different places that they can follow me from, and applying for a free consultation session. A lot of these guys just like to release the energy. They'll just buy one of my books. They're like, okay, now we're even, <laughs> you know? So it, it's called a law. I have given something back to Arman. Yeah. Like, so, um, so people should also be aware of that. Like if you're always doing something else for someone and they're not doing anything for you, if they're a scumbag, they'll be like, all right, all right, let's see how long I could keep this going. But if it's a high character individual in the back of their mind, they're like, I really got to give something back. Like, please ask me for a ride or something like that. Just so we could be even. <laughs> By the way, guys, if someone wants to read Arman's newsletter, the link is in the description of the video. ArmaniTalks.com slash newsletter. You never know like how random plugs can like build up over time. Because every now and then someone will hit me up in the newsletter. Like, I found you from Unapologetic Truths episode number seven. <laughs> so oh, it's really? like, huh, yeah, because nice. I always like, like I, I noticed like I plug that newsletter a lot through, not a lot, but throughout the episodes, it's been at least like 10 times. And from my end, like I believe the first one to like 20, 20 episodes were on my channel, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. The 19 or something. Yeah, so it's called non-linear viewership. So people don't watch it in order. Like people will like all like hop around. So someone right now is probably watching Unapologetic Truths number seven. So it's like <laughs> it's like a plug that I gave like a long time ago. Still pay, pays dividends today. Man, you reminded me of something that I noticed a couple of weeks ago. Mm -hmm. So there is something called Impact Radius. It's an affiliate marketing portal. And I just opened it after many years and I'm like, okay, interesting. There are tens of thousands of dollars here. Like, huh. I didn't even know I was making the money because I had forgotten. Tens of thousands of dollars? I mean, over a long period of time, right? That's still a lot, man. Yeah, it had like <laughs> none, it wasn't like a lot of money, but it was a decent sum that I didn't I had I just did not remember I had it. And I just log into it. I'm like, I remember, oh, I had turned off withdrawals because I, were not, I wasn't promoting these products anymore. Mm -hmm. And I must have left these links active somewhere or the other, or maybe on some social media post or somewhere. And it's making some money every once in a while. Wow. So, yeah, that was interesting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like finding change in your wallet, right? Like, you know, you, well, that's what I was going to say. Like, some people get happy when they find like $20 in their pocket. And here you are discovering tens of thousands of dollars. It wasn't, I don't, I don't remember now. Yeah. It wasn't like, it was like in the low tens of thousand, like 25 or something, I think. It, but, it, does, it does make you like view time in a different way, doesn't it? Yeah, man. It's, it's, it's next level. It's like you wake up, you, you open your thing. And when you type like I am to go to a different site, you end up on impact. 
and then you're like oh i have money i didn't i didn't know i had nice you're right and that's passive income like some people like they confuse active income for passive income they're like, oh, look, I got a passive income in a book. I just have to go to this show, this show, this show to promote it like nonstop. And then I have to do this. I'm like, bro, that's not passive income. That's you getting yourself another job. Um, like passive income really is like when you forget and you still get paid. If you have to think about it, it's not passive, but I don't care that much about passive active. It has to be automated. That's what's important to me. Right, right, right. In the sense, I should not have to perform the task to get paid. Mm. It needs to be happening on its own. Even though I have to promote it every once in a while, that's different, but it has to be automatic. So, Harsh, you had a pretty unique tweet recently. Uh, LMM is a fraction of my income and takes up a lot of my time, but it has helped over 300,000 men live healthier lives, saved countless men from depression and apathy, helped 100,000 men lose a ton of fat and gain a lot of muscle, help thousands start online businesses and save themselves from wage slavery, set up a lot of young men with the right mindset that will serve them for life. Despite it not paying the most, I consider this to be the most meaningful of all the work I do, and I will continue to do it. So how much of a, like, the fact that you have other streams of income set up allows you to, like, you know, purify the intent of life math money. So I don't depend on life math money for a living, right? This is like a hobby come business. You could say like half hobby, half business. I don't take it that seriously. And it takes up a ton of time, right? Like all these podcasts, like this, this podcast is going to take us two and a half hours to record. Then I have to pay for editing, pay for the VA to, you know, remove all the pauses and everything. And pay for these softwares to record. And it's 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 at the end of the day, this is costing money, but it's fun to do. It helps out a lot of people. And that's pretty much it. So that's mostly with LMM. If you, if I if I do the accounting for it in terms of the amount of hours it consumes for my life, it would it wouldn't even break even, I think. But I think that of everything I do, like I have affiliate marketing businesses, I have a SaaS company. And then the corporate protection business, teach yourself crypto. Everything I do is primarily just cash making machine, you could say. But this has, this is the most beneficial to the soul, you could say. Like it does, it gives the most to the world. Like it actually improves people's lives a lot. And it, helps out younger people live much better lives it's actually changing people's existence for the rest of your life so if you if you follow life math money for a year or two years i can guarantee that for the rest of your life your the rest of your life will be different than if you had not followed life math money so i believe that this is the most important work i do go on yeah and you never know who's really consuming the content right like has there ever been like a certain time where are there any like thank you messages you got that stick out? A lot of them. I've gotten messages from people saying that I saved them from suicide or helped mm. them lose like 30 kilos, become a better student, things of that sort, help them get a girlfriend or you know, mm. retain a wife or mm. teach their kids better values. A lot of these messages, it's very good for me. Like I, I really enjoy reading them. And I think we've gotten some for, for, from this these podcasts also. So oh, they're, yeah, they're always good to read. 
there was one that I sent you where for some reason, like I thought like only guys listen to this podcast. I thought it was at least like 99% guys, but like we got this really like heartfelt thank you note from this woman named uh, Nithlia or Nithila. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Oh, but yeah, I, I like her remember? voice a lot. She has a yeah, very voice. soothing voice. And it was a very like in-depth, um, like a thank you message from the Unapologetic Truths podcast. So you never know who's listening to these episodes. I think more women listen to us than men because I get like one or two people telling me that they enjoy the podcast every week mm-hmm. on my Twitter DMs because I have my DMs open. And... It's it's almost always women. So for a while, I was like, "Hey, wait! Do only women listen to us?" <laughs> <laughs> Man, I actually have no clue like what the makeup was. I just guessed. I, I just thought it was like a men's self improvement podcast, uh, but you never know. You never know, man. So on Twitter, I think like twenty five percent of my audience is women, and I'm I'm a bit surprised. I'm like, whoa, okay, this is specifically it's real advice for men. Why are women following me? I don't well, know. I, uh, I I have heard a lot of women say that they love uh, self-improvement advice for guys because it also motivates them in their life. Yeah, I get it. But the content I'm making is specifically for men. So I'm a little shocked myself. I have so many <laughs> women following me. I remember I, I had the one of these, you know, you get on, you get into these Twitter arguments, and someone was like, "Yeah, but do you have any women for like, you know, do women even like you?" And this guy had like thirty thousand followers. I'm like, brother, more women follow me than mm. your entire following, <laughs> and this Flex. is despite me saying things that women don't typically like to hear. So. <laughs> <laughs> It's, you know, it's, I mean, of course, it's meaningless. Like, Twitter followers don't really mean anything. Right. But I was just trolling that guy. And apparently, if you interact with people who have like big follow counts, then your Twitter score grows up, goes up, at least according to the new open source algorithm. So have I've been you had a chance to look with, at that. Yeah, I've been exploring it more. But I haven't, like, I don't want to talk about it right now because I'm not as well versed in it as I would like to be because it's a big code base, right? Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm going to like take out some of the, take take the, some of the useful parts, maybe discuss it next time and send it out to all the people who have a copy of the art of Twitter. If you don't, you can get it at gum.co slash Twitter guide. Promote yourself, man. You, you never know when <laughs> someone will be listening to this episode. Yeah, that's the thing. I don't really promote myself that much because like, at the end of the day, it doesn't make a difference. Like if someone buys a guide or not, like uh, 50, 80 bucks, 90 bucks doesn't, doesn't move the needle for me. Right. But I'm letting people know because it moves the needle for them because I've helped like at least a thousand. Uh, we've had like 5,000 plus customers, about 1,500 people took action. And over a thousand of them have told me like, okay, so this is the guide that I use to make my first dollar online. Or this is the guide that, you know, I made my first 10K online because of this or first 100K. And there are people who've made like 300K, 400K dollars in like three, four years because of the guide. That's a decent extra income, right? Like you have a real job or something or some other business. Two hours a day, one hour a day. And the way to look at it is that you're not just making them money. You're actually giving them a paradigm shift. 
Because when you make your first ever dollar online, now it becomes real. Till before then, it's just like ah no no no, it's a, it's a scam, or it's just not something for me. But once they make their first dollar, they're just like, whoa, this is actually the a thing. Believer, the God has shown himself. <laughs> yeah, so that's why, like, when people purchase something, it, it just shows intention. It's like when someone wants something for free, like you know, most of these creators have free content that you could consume. But when you buy something, it's more so for you. Not for the creator, man. I'm not even joking. If you give out something for free, you'll have a lot of people download it, but maybe like point one percent will read it. Right. Because people just take the free content and then save it. They don't read it. But if they pay for it, then they're gonna read it because they paid for it. They want their money's worth. Oh so yeah. So if you want people to read something, charge them money. It's good for them. Good for you. It could even be something like not content related. Like when I bought my laptop and I bought it with my own money, it's like let me make sure I unplug it. Let me not make sure I keep it plugged in and go take a nap or something like that. It, it's like these little stuff. Uh, it just becomes more like important to you, especially when you buy something. No, but even more than that. Okay, let's say that you're someone who comes to me for say, how do I lose weight? And If if I'm just giving you free advice, right? You're gonna listen to it and then forget about it and then continue eating how you were always eating. If I charge you five hundred dollars for that advice, you're gonna follow it because you oh, paid five yeah. hundred bucks for it. Yeah, man. Even just like the price, like books and stuff. You know, you could charge low tier, but like for consulting, if you charge a little bit higher, you can just attract such different clients. And like the clients you attract are. Like they're in a completely different mindset. Like, like they they want to pay you so they can get started with the progress and stuff. Versus someone who's like haggling you and they're like, "No, no, can you please make it fifty dollars cheaper?" Like these guys are like the worst to work with. Ah oh, man, I feel like you're shitting on my country right now. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man, one of my best clients is from. Uh, well, he's not in India now. He's Indian, but he lives in Singapore. I've been noticing that. I've been noticing a lot of Indians moving to Singapore recently. I always thought like Singapore was like this, like there's just a certain type of people that live there, but apparently it's becoming very multicultural. No, Singapore is very multicultural. They have a lot of Malays, Indians, Chinese there. Mm-hmm. But what you're noticing is not limited to Singapore. See, if you think about it logically, right? India is. One in five people, almost one in five people in the world is Indian. You're taking over, man. Exactly, over we're here. taking over. You're over here smashing everyone, man. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty soon, it's gonna be a hundred percent one. Simulate every other race. <laughs> Daisies are very smart. They're very intelligent. Um, some that like move o- overseas, like they never haggle. Like they're just quick to just be like, "Hey, how much is it?" Then boom. And that's the unique thing with content. With content, like you have like recruiting agents all around the internet, people that really want to work with you will consume a bunch of your content. Then they'll hit you up, and the dynamic is all different. Like now they're just like saying like how much and when do we begin. So, so that's one thing I've noticed. A lot of yeah, like the Daisy folks, like they're very technically gifted, very smart. A lot of them are soft spoken, and they just need like that added. confidence because when they're over here 
let's say moving from India to Singapore, a lot of like Westerners are moving there too. And normally Westerners are very like, I wouldn't say loud, but they have a very like dominating voice. So it's like if you're in a, a situation with them, right? You're in like a conference room, whatever with them. And let's say they're over here challenging your ideas and stuff. Like you can't be too soft-spoken. You need like to stick firm with your ideas because a lot of the times, like the soft-spoken ones have great ideas. So that's one thing I've noticed. Like they're very willing to learn and like adjust, improve. It's a very fascinating mindset. We've talked about it before. We've talked about immigrant work ethic, but now it's like, it's becoming more so a global thing. See, what you're noticing is essentially kind of like selection bias because the type of people who end up abroad are the type of people who are technically skilled and because they work with computers so much, they are they lack the chispa. But Indians in India are much more bold than Indians abroad in general. Mm, that makes sense. In the sense that who what is the type of person who emigrates to work abroad? It's a type of it's a highly skilled person who doesn't want problems and he just wants to get paid, right? But an Indian in India, he's like, okay, come fight with me, bro. I don't give a shit. <laughs> some of them. Some of them that come here, like, they just want to work. Others have, like, crazy ambition. Like, um, there's an Indian here. Um, he owns, like, a Dunkin' Donuts empire. Like, Dunkin' Donuts is, like, you could build an empire. A lot of Indians actually do that here. Like, they have, like, these brash personalities. Like, they're entrepreneurship to the core. So whenever they see, like, like someone whining here to like, what are you doing? It is the land of opportunities. I don't even know if that was an Indian accent, but you could build a Dunkin' Donuts empire, man. Subway empire. Like a lot of people are doing that. They're taking the franchise model. Like now you don't have to build your own business from scratch. You're just getting the equity of someone else's business and replicating the process. Man, like it's creating some millionaires. Definitely. Now that you mentioned Subway, I'm starting to get hungry. <laughs> <laughs> I think when it comes to fast food, my favorite is going to be Subway for a long time. Really? I actually don't normally hear people say that as an answer. It, it, say I like just, McDonald's I, or something. Nah, man. McDonald's, it, it's tastier, but I can't eat it. It's too much vegetable oil. Do you Not have gonna... Chinese food there? Like fried yeah, rice. but the Chinese food is like Indianized Chinese food. Mm. It tastes better than actual Chinese food. Bro, so in the US, I've actually been seeing this. There's so many Chinese restaurants. Like you could literally drive 10 minutes and see a, a new Chinese restaurant everywhere. So it's like if you're owning a Chinese restaurant, you better be on point. You better answer your calls anytime a customer calls. After a customer orders, you better say, 10 minutes, sir. Like, you better say that. <laughs> Otherwise, they're going to go somewhere else. So it's so competitive. Here's what I've been noticing recently. The Chinese folks are now going to the black neighborhoods. And now, instead of selling Chinese food, they're selling, like, uh, like fried wings and stuff like that. Like, a completely different <laughs> arsenal. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, like, what the heck? And they're, they're bringing, like, that similar, like, fast, but they're entering a completely different market right so it's mm -hmm. like i'm like whoa like this is pretty unique like they're very sharp but it's like it's like the i would say the reddest market is the chinese food market 
but if you can switch to like selling fried wings and stuff like that, you just enter a blue market now. What do you mean a blue market? Blue market as in like, so they're basically selling food that appeals to uh, like black people and Chinese people in one area. So it's like a hybrid in some ways. Is it true that black people love chicken? I've heard that. I'm not sure if it's true or not. Everyone loves chicken, but like it's like a stereotype. Like black people love oh, fried okay. chicken, right? Man, I got to meet some black people in real life. I've never met anybody. I've only never... seen them on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you actually never like shook hands with a like a nah, black never happened before. yet. No, no. I would like to meet a black person. If any black people are listening to me, yeah, I want to meet you. <laughs> and how are Study your characteristics. About, how are they going to go about something like this? <laughs> no, but I, I haven't actually met black people, to be honest. Not not many. And Man, like the brown people here and black people, like we have like that connection. Because when you come here, like a lot of the times there's like, you know, you're, you're kind of sitting with your own people and stuff like that. But when the brown guys are there, like a lot of black kids are like, Man, what what you is? Or like, well, we're from like, you know, we'll say we're, we're from, they'll be like, you one of us, sit with us. So it's like a big part of my childhood was chilling with like, you know, like my first ever best friend in the US was a black guy, Jean. Uh, so like you, you'll see here, like there's a lot of closeness, but there's also racism too. Like a lot of like uh, brown people have like, aversion towards black people but another group love black people interesting yeah i can definitely notice the aversion part because like in india right like to be called black is like an insult right like no not 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 as in like a black african it's not a race thing it's just a color thing in the sense like a kid will call the other kid black like you're black so it's an insult it's taken as an insult and if someone is too dark, you don't want to use the word black. You want to use the word dark. <laughs> <laughs> so Indian society is, they really prize fair skin. I think that like billions of dollars are spent in India just to get fair skin. You'll find people selling creams to you know, lighten your skin. People will fair do treatments on their face. Yeah, fair and lovely. The, you know, women will spend a lot of money doing facials to make their face fairer. Even in China, I've heard they care about fair skin. Mm. So not that familiar with the culture in America. I'm surprised that Indians are racist towards Africans there, though, because some are like the older generation can be. The yeah, newer but... generation though, the newer generation though, like if you're like a '90s baby, it's difficult because we were like we were raised together. You see what I'm saying? Like a lot of like Indians, Bengalis. Pakistanis, like we, we would sit with like you know Africans, Haitians, Jamaicans, like we were just all one, right? So it really depends on the generation you're coming from, and you never yeah, know, man. Sense. You never know, like like there's different reasons that a lot of like there's different reasons racism can happen as well. Like earlier when I was telling you about like a lot of the Chinese folks going into the black neighborhoods right? Selling like food that appeals to them. A lot of black business owners don't like this. They're like, you, you sell to your people so your community can support you and our community can support us. And there's like animosity that builds. So you never know like what will cause things like this. 
It's not as simple mm. as, oh, this guy just looks different. It could also be like a business element to it as well. Interesting. What are your thoughts on Black Lives Matter? Man, like that's one of those fields where like, I don't like, I haven't well, studied it. Correct answer. Like, <laughs> let's talk about something else. <laughs> I just haven't studied in depth, but like, I, I see the case for the movement. Like there was a period where I was seeing like a lot of like, like, these unarmed black people like getting shot like that, which isn't right. But then on the other side, it's like, you just can't resist. It's one of those things, man. Like I just don't, I don't know much about it to like give an answer. And people do want an opinion out of this. Like I had a, I told the story before where like, there was like a bunch of people putting like black squares on their Instagrams. And like, if you weren't posting one, it's like, well, what gives? And I had someone like DM me. It's like, well, when are you gonna post it? I was like, fuck you, man. Like, why are you looking at what I'm, <laughs> well, why are you looking at what I'm posting? Um, so it's like one of those things where like you gotta actually know what you're talking about before you offer an, an opinion. Because a good sign of maturity is learning how not to have an opinion on something. But someone wants to really quickly just be like, Black Lives Matter or All Lives Matter, like just so they like they choose a side, but they don't know the other side as well to even have an opinion in the first place. Man, my only opinions from this come from Twitter. So probably no, like, misguided. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like be real. Like, how much time did you like actually like sit down? Like other than Twitter and like these viral clips, like actually sit down, like listen to like some interviews, like inform yourself. Man, I am not going to waste my time studying Black Lives Matter. I don't even know black people. So. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> a different context for you. So but I've seen the video. They were actually like, some of them were actually crazy. Like there's a black guy. He's just standing there and the police just goes and shoots him. Like, what the fuck? But some of them, the guy moves like suddenly and then the police shoots him. So you could make the case that the police might have thought he's pulling a gun or something. Like the guy will just suddenly move. But I saw the videos of the actual protests and they were crazy. Like the, there were people looting shops and everything. Like it reminds me of like India back in like the old times. Like, my dad is like, oh, this is what India used to be like. When you know the independence movement before the independence movement, people mm. would get hungry and they would steal everything. Huh. Oh, it's called looting. They used to loot. Yeah, they used to loot. So India before independence, right? When the British rule, the British had kind of made people so poor that they were essentially it was a it was not a good country to be in in many places. Man, like during that, because that was happening like what, like 2020, like the, the George Floyd thing happened and like a couple of other high profile cases happened. A lot of looting was going on. N not like everywhere, like, but like certain like big areas, you will see looting going on. Man, it actually happened in Tampa where like, like a couple of restaurants were getting looted and there's this very famous like promoter that lives in Tampa and he's an Italian guy, right, Harsh? Mm -hmm. um, and he basically wrote like a Facebook and he owns a bunch of restaurants in the Tampa Bay region. Like, uh, and they, all of his businesses are connected with one another. So he has the restaurants, like a bar, like all, all of that, like similar theme. And he basically wrote, writes a Facebook or Instagram post. He's like, if anyone loots my building, I'll shoot you. He, nice. he wrote that. And then like a lot of people took that as like, like a racist a challenge. A no, like a, a racist threat, right? So here's what began to happen. Now, like people are starting to go in on this guy. Let me just give him a fake name real quick. 
Let me just call him Proof. John Doe. John, John, yeah, that's a better name. John. So people start going in on John. And mind you, he's very high profile here. A lot of people know him. And suddenly, a lot of girls are starting to leak their messages of like how apparently John raped them. And what they're the, like, the they're, they're over here like leaking the messages. Now, more people are starting to hear about John's like, like, you know, they're already pissed about the post. Now they're hearing the rape stuff. Rape. And, and what happened is that like a bunch of people are just flooding his businesses with one star reviews. Mind you, these oh, are high, high profile places here. So his businesses are going from 4.6 to like 1.1. So his businesses are getting destroyed and more people are over here like, you know, coming out with like what a scumbag John was. They're coming with the receipts. And then the FBI begins to study that threat apparently he made. So his whole life, you could say, just got ruined from one post. Man. Yeah, it's yeah. with these politically th political things that right? you have to be careful. Yeah, you got to be careful. But it's just like because... I believe Florida is like a stand your ground thing. So if it's like if you're coming in someone else's property, like they could technically shoot you. So what he was saying wasn't technically racist. But if you're like peeling back the layers, like in the climate, you're viewing it holistically. A mob that's already looting different places are going to take it as a racist thing. And it just started off the spiral. And the guy hasn't been the same since. Man, man. You don't want the FBI coming at you, bro. Because then it's like, uh-oh. I don't know much about the FBI, but the fact that this guy was actually raping girls is insane. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, this guy was like... Um, I'm assuming he's raping kids. I don't know, right? But I'm assuming when you say he has received, it's true. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I didn't spend time, like, uh like reading each of the messages but like the gist of what i got was like uh he'd like sleep with girls when he was drunk or stuff like that so it's like um i mean i don't know like the like all the details but the i mean like multiple accusers and stuff came so it, it was just like a bunch of different things that just like piled on and just destroyed him that's crazy, man. See, that tells me that it's it's a bad thing to have too much public exposure because the public is crazy. It's crazy, man, because like before that whole situation, like because we never this shows the difference between like reputation character, like his reputation was like really high up there. Like he's a guy that moved from Italy, started one of the best like nightclub businesses in the area in a very hot spot in the US, worked his way up, lives in one of the best buildings in that region and suddenly it just like came crashing down so quick that's sad though that's sad i i've seen these uh, you know these destroyed buildings by these blm protests where the guy has like put up some kind of poster above that we support blm we support blm and right below you see that like, they've destroyed they've broken the glass and they've destroyed the store anyway so I don't know much about it, but kind of seems like they hurt a lot of innocent people in those protests. Oh, yeah. Destroying someone else's property, it, it, it's not right. There's like a yeah. the Saigon Bay, like in Tampa, like it's owned by like this uh, small like uh, family and that place got burned down. 
I'm like, what? 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 Yeah, I was like, what kind of message are you sending? Uh, and then what happened was um, someone started a GoFundMe page, uh, and like a lot of people donated because Saigon Bay is like a really popular like Vietnamese cuisine place here, and I believe they like were able to like start their business over again. But it's like you don't want to be fueled so much by hate that you're bringing innocent bystanders into the mix. But that's when you like look at your Instagram. And from your own friends, like you're seeing, like, well, like sometimes like this kind of stuff is needed. And from their worldview, they're like, oh yeah, like how else? Like in revolutions, like sometimes innocent people are going to get harmed for the greater good. And it's like that's like the paradigm that they're operating with. So they think stuff like the Saigon Bay burning down should have happened. So it's like, man, it's like a melee. And what I'm always thinking is, who's pushing a lot of these messages out there? You know, and, and a lot of the times it's the mainstream media. Like they're just like, oh my goodness! Like look at all these clicks, all this drama that we're gonna get, and they're over here like causing real damage to like neighborhoods and stuff. Arman, go deeper. The mainstream media is owned by a certain group of people, and they are the ones who are pushing down these messages. Yeah. The mainstream media is just a tool. Like these people are foot soldiers. His foot soldiers. Um, yeah. The thing so, is, these mainstream media people, the people who own them, they are the ones who are responsible. Yeah. No, my main point was like, you're right about that. There are like certain like players that own a lot of like what the mainstream media is even going to publish in the first place. Uh, but then it's like you're kind of seeing this, and it's like. It's one of those situations where, like, you're kind of getting like pulled into it, even if you don't want to be in it. It's like you could be like, I don't care about any of this stuff at all, and then you see like certain places actually, like, getting looted, and you're just like, what the hell? Um, Saigon Bay getting burned down. Um, you know, certain people destroying years of work in just like a matter of a second. So it's like, if you want to play that game, you want to have opinions about everything. Like, you gotta know. Like everything that it comes with. See, I'll tell you that with a lot of these places, right? Like, if you are an Islamic country, you don't want to say anything bad about Islam. If you are in Russia, you don't want to say anything bad about Putin. If you are in the USA, you don't want to say anything bad about LGBT and all these liberal leftist things. So it's really the you don't want to say anything bad about the people who are calling the shots. Mm. And right now in your country, unfortunately, it is these leftists. And you say anything bad about them, your house burns down, you get fired from your job, your social media account is deleted, and God knows what. So it is just a fact of life that. You cannot criticize the people in power. You can't do it. Yeah, and if you're gonna do it, like you gotta, you gotta build something as close to a cancel-proof business as possible. Where this gentleman I was telling you about does not have a cancel-proof business. Where like, like he's really dependent upon like reviews and like, you know, all his businesses are interlinked in a way where, you know, if one burns, like the other one can easily burn as well. It's like. 
Mm-mm. Like if you want to have a lot of strong opinions, like you got to make sure you have. First of all, you got to make sure you have the resources, and two, you got to make sure that you have a system that can preserve those resources. So it's very decentralized business, because there are certain people that, like we could see nowadays, like you could try canceling them, but it's not going to happen. Uh, one example is J.K. Rowling. Like you can't cancel her; it's impossible. Like because Harry Potter is bigger than her. Um, another person you can't cancel is um, Robert Kiyosaki. Like he, like he has like a like at this stage of his life, like he's uh, doesn't talk about money as much. He talks a lot about like the communists and the capitalists. Like he could have a lot of strong opinions. You're not killing rich dad poor dad. It's been the number one bestseller in finance for 25 years. Like the book is bigger than the creator. So he has an uncancelable business. Um, who else can't you cancel? Elon um, Musk. Elon Musk, you can't cancel. Like he's like Tesla and like this stuff. It's bigger than him. So that's moreover. You, mm-hmm. The stuff that he is doing is irreplaceable, right? Like SpaceX. If you let's say the government imprisons Elon Musk, they're the ones who are going to lose because they need SpaceX. Like they don't have a rocket launching system. SpaceX does. Right. It, it's about being indispensable or being someone that you can't actually control. But I think that you can be canceled in other ways, though. For example, Andrew Tate, right? Though how did they cancel him? Firstly, all social media accounts deleted. And when he was getting big on Twitter, they just arrested him and kept him in jail for three months for a crime. There was no evidence he committed. Mm. And no evidence was shown, as far as I know. And where the witnesses were coming and saying that, you know, we, we it's not a crime. Like we consented to whatever was going on. So. You heard he got out recently? I heard he got out recently. In house arrest or so? I don't know. I think COVID lockdown, house arrest, same thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. See, with Andrew Tate, like, I do, like, he's one of, like, the most influential guys that we have. Uh, like like on the planet right now he got it's too crazy. big he got too big for it's his crazy because he came from our side of twitter but the thing with him is that i think he still needs to like he has hustlers university and what's that other one called i have no idea he still needs like because I, I believe his businesses are like he owns casinos and a lot of the other stuff i think like now that he's out um for a while he was doing a lot of these interviews so it's like technically he was canceled but he wasn't really canceled. He became somewhat canceled when they just were like, ah, oh, shit, he's still doing these interviews that are getting 10 million views. Let's take him to prison. But now that he's out, I think like he really needs to build some sort of product or platform that's bigger than Andrew Tate. And I, I don't know like much about Hustlers University. I don't know if that's like the thing that he has going for him. Sort of like JK Rowling has Harry Potter. Elon Musk has like all his ideas. Kiyosaki has that. Uh, but I, I do think he needs to build something bigger than him rather than him being just that guy. That's the biggest. Because it's too I easy think, to just kill him. His I get ideas you, and I such. get you. Or even just kill him. I mean, I'm not saying he should be killed, obviously, but I think that if the government is willing to go so far as to arrest him and he has to keep saying that I would never kill myself in prison, that was a serious risk then. Right, it was. 
it was a serious risk. They, they could have killed him in prison, but the fact that he kept saying, I would never kill myself in prison, is it might have saved his life. So I think that his first priority, if I was Andrew Tate, I would look into getting somewhere safe, out of Romania, out of European Union, maybe to a safer country where he would not be arrested at random without evidence. So, I mean, it's it's complex, right? Once you get into the radar of these elites who actually control the world, you're fucked. Like, if they don't like you, you're fucked. Yeah. I mean, you never know what might happen. So it's just one of those things you want to avoid happening to you. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we've actually ever seen something like that in history. Like Jeffrey Epstein. No, I'm talking about like the level of influence he had because we've never been as connected as we are now. So like what other person in like the past can you say like, like, I don't know, I'm completely spitballing the numbers, but like at least 85% of the planet knew or heard of his name. Muhammad. Okay, yeah, that's crazy influence, like without social media and such. But I mean, what we actually saw, because it's happening right now, so we're not really evaluating it like that, but we are technically like witnessing history. Because if you're thinking about it, like he technically was... And in some way is like the most famous man on the planet. So it's like different age groups like know the name. And it's like, if you are trying to like keep a society controlled and like this guy has that much influence, like what do you do? And that's why that's where we're nowadays seeing like, wait a minute, you can just take this guy out, put him in prison and such. He does come from a very like, um, like it's one of those things where like what what was his first business like the cam girls thing or something like I that? don't know enough about him yeah I, I don't know much about him either but it's like you know like if someone's trying to pin you down for something it's like they're trying to hope that you have some sort of business something, that makes, something yeah like, they're yeah. like Wait, what's up with that you know yeah man even if they don't have anything they just make up something right they don't need to have something to kill you or to arrest you or something as right. we just saw right i'm i'm pretty sure that there's the big reason this guy is alive is the fact that he kept saying i would never kill myself i would never kill myself and that's kind of why he's still alive oh yeah and how canceled was he really like if he's like straight up tweeting from (laughs) (laughs) from prison I don't think he was the one tweeting. I think that he had some assistant tweeting for him. Maybe he was meeting somebody. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we should try um, getting him on this podcast. That would be dope. That would do some numbers. I'm pretty sure it was his ideas, though. Because when you're in prison, at least here, it's not that difficult to like sneak in um, phones and stuff. Man, the American prison system, I've heard, is crazy. So apparently they have gangs inside prison. And the gang depends on your ethnicity. So there's like a black people gang. We talked about this. Gang. Yeah, yeah. They, they, that's where we got it. <laughs> where you're getting that from is from one of our past episodes. Ah, uh, yeah. You're the one who told me? Okay. Yeah, man. So it, it's crazy. Just uh, like that's where like you're primal as hell. It's like, you know, and it really depends on your crimes. Because like when you are coming into the prison, they'll get like your back sheet, like what you're in here for. And certain crimes, like, they'll let it off. Like, they'll be like, oh, he robbed a bank, whatever. 
But one thing that they're unified on, Harsh, is if you try to do anything to little kids, like they'll beat you up. Um, there are these videos where you'll see like, um, like a guy getting interviewed by a cop and the guy is like, yeah, I killed uh, my bedmate because he raped a eight-year-old. What else am I supposed to do? And he's just explaining it. So that's one thing that like in prison, like it doesn't even matter what your ethnicity is. They look down on that. And they could even kill you. Yeah, that makes sense. But I, I think that a lot of people will disagree with me. I remember posting this on Twitter, but the the punishment that your system had given to this rapist was a long time in prison, not death. And I think it's weird that people support his murder in prison because the laws that you have set for your society have decided that this person should go to jail, not be put to death. So if you believe that this person should be put to death for raping kids and you should change the law, not celebrate a murder. Yeah, yeah. I don't think like the like the lawmakers and stuff think that they should be put to death. It's prisoners taking matter into their own hands sort of situation. Yeah, but and, what I'm talking about is on social media, people celebrate those prisoners. Oh, like of them being killed? Yeah, or them being killed. And I'm like, that, that doesn't make sense. Mm. Because what are you promoting? You're promoting mob justice. You're promoting vigilante justice. And that that's fine in the beginning, right? Like It sounds sane. But that type of thinking gets out of hand because... There are people with different values than you who will also like vigilante justice. For example, there are people who might, there are people who might say, you know, if someone looks at me the wrong way, they deserve death, and the law doesn't punish them for it, so I am doing it. There yeah, are there are people a case who, for like, where do you draw the line? Yeah, where do you draw the line? And the thing is that with this vigilante justice, you're letting everybody draw the line where they want the line to be drawn. So when you when you promote this, you have to realize that you might believe that this is where the line is. There are people who believe the line is much behind than you think. There are people who might believe that the line is that if someone punches you, you should kill them. As a sign of disrespect, he punched me, so I killed him. And vigilante justice. But oh, at the yeah. end of the day, you end up at a non-functional society. And it's not just a U.S. thing. It's like it, it's something that I've noticed is primal. Like there's like this uh, documentary. It's called. It's not a documentary. It's like a docu series. I think it's called Prison or something like that. And it's basically they're going and studying like some of the toughest prisons in the world. And this is some sort of code that's within the toughest prisons in the world, which I find very crazy. It's like how are these like prisons that are not even talking to each other? coming towards the same code you see what do you mean code like or like they like from all the different crimes out there like the way that they look at people that did an adult that took advantage of a child like like the first to go is them you know like if you rob a uh. bank and stuff, yeah it's like if you rob a bank if you like killed a man right they don't even view it like that but it's like if you if you like rape the little kid then it's like, wait, wait, wait. U.S., um, Brazil, Chile, it doesn't matter. Like the toughest prisons there, often they take matters into their own hands for that particular crime. Yeah, it's and a I'm heinous like, crime on something pure and innocent, right? 
yeah so i'm basically it's not just a u.s thing it's like some sort of like a human thing yeah it's like if you study history it's like it doesn't matter which part of like the world you're in you you see like these little pockets of people that like discover things like dance discover things like uh, like god like they do some form of worship like from the east to the west they do um alcohol like a lot of like different places just randomly discovered that and there, there's no centralized force it, it's just they're evolving in a decentralized way but there's patterns hmm. interesting i am aware of certain cultures where they would actually fuck kids like fucked up cultures oh shit yeah there, there are actual cultures that do that um i think in europe the ancient ones some places have this man you never know um i think i asked you that but did you did you ever know anyone that went to like prison no man thankfully i've not met anybody who's into this fucked up shit man some sometimes it's not like sometimes it's very sad like the way someone will go to prison um where like pharmacists for example like they could make they have like one of the easiest jobs to make extra money extra dirty money because they have access to so much pills so like there was this one kid from our school like his dad used to give um give people like extra pills of like Adderall or something like that and one time he got busted by the cops like it was an undercover cop and it, it was so sad like his dad went to like prison for a long time especially selling during... Adderall that's crazy no not Adderall it was like some sort of drugs but he was a pharmacist so he got busted by uh, like this undercover cop who was busting or who was like buying from him for some time building a case and if you get caught by the FBI here you're probably going to be sentenced three times longer than if you got caught by the local cops so his like this kid like he's in my class like Uh, he's now the father or he's like the man of the house right because his father just got sentenced to prison for a long time and it's sad man like like his family is like in disheveled like he has to like now be the guardian for his little sister and his mom so it's like yeah but his father was doing that to other families right if he was getting them addicted to drugs yeah then he was well, destroying all these other families and the world someone... is probably better off with him in jail Man, some of these guys that were buying from him, bro, they, they were they were pretty like they were gonna find it one way or another. I don't think he should be going to prison for that long. I don't know, man. Like I have known some people who were addicted to drugs, and apparently these things like heroin, they are so addictive that once you get on them, it's it's almost impossible to quit, and it takes over the person's life. It completely ruins them. Completely ruins them. It does ruin them. And I think that people who are selling these things, they need to go to prison for a long, long, long time. They need to suffer. They need to suffer for it. Like this, what are what are they doing? They're ruining people's lives, and ruining their mother's lives, their father's life, their wives' lives, their husbands' lives, their children's lives, just to make some extra money. And yeah, 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 there's different drug users though. There's like some people like what you're talking about, and there's some people like they were like in a life of crime anyways, and now they're just like you know, putting the cherry on top by getting more drugs. So it's not like everyone that's doing these drugs are like, or destined for a bright future. A lot of them like fucked up their lives a long time beforehand, and now it's just like, okay, well, 
they're just they're gonna find it one way or another. So it's like there's tears though, man. You don't think you, you think a guy that's selling drugs should be in prison for a similar time as someone who commits murder? Or you think there's tears to it? There are tears to it. I mean, if someone is selling something stupid like weed, then of course it, it shouldn't be like a very long sentence. But if someone is selling heroin, no, not heroin. But you can't sell heroin from no, no. You can't sell heroin from a pharmacy, but you can sell painkillers. People can get See, addicted. All to All of that is fine. See, all of that is not yeah, that, that serious. Well, well, that's the case I was making for that guy. Like, if you're selling painkillers, and the guy, the person you're selling it to, hypothetically, does get addicted, you think he should go to prison for twenty years? No. I don't think for pain. Yeah, like heroin, I could see a case for that. Um, but I don't I, I don't see like white collar folks selling stuff like heroin. I, I'm talking why are like, people dedicated why are people addicted to painkillers? Like, why are they taking it? Are they in pain? Some people are in pain, yes. Like a lot of uh, athletes will like get addicted to painkillers. Um, there was actually a, a like a famous football player like who got addicted, and it's like when he tried to stop, like his body was like shaking like this. Um, so athletes will get to it. Um, other pe- reason people get addicted to painkillers is because um, it just puts them in a euphoric state. Some people, um, I've heard, <laughs> like, uh, like you could get like this. There's this thing, like, man, you may know the name as I'm describing it, like this vein on your ass. Like anytime you sit down, like it hurts, it, it flares up. You know what I'm talking about? No, <laughs> I wasn't even aware of the condition. Yeah, okay. I actually want to see if I can find the name. Addicted to painkillers. That's interesting. I find it interesting that you need actual prescriptions to buy things in your country. Like in India, you can just go to the store, buy anything. You don't mm-hmm. need a prescription for anything. You can buy anything you want. So someone can buy painkillers without any prescriptions? Yeah, I don't think I've ever been asked for a prescription for anything. In uh-huh. my life, not even once. Wait, really? That's actually yeah. I I can see that being effective, but also disruptive. Like, who too. cares? Who cares? Why? Why does a pharmacist or anybody care what you are taking? You can take what you want. It's your no. body. But what if you get addicted to painkillers? Who cares? Your money, your body, destroy it. Okay, I I can see a case being made for that, but I do think the prescription helps man bro i want to find the name oh hemorrhoids hemorrhoids oh hemorrhoids yeah okay i've heard of that yes some people will get it right on their ass so it's like anytime they sit it's like intense pain and it's like that's when they're they're trying to like sneak in some painkillers that that's a crime that a lot of pharmacists like go to prison for like man that should not be a crime like if someone wants to buy painkillers let them buy painkillers what kind of painkiller is addictive though? What the fuck are you putting in your painkiller? A lot of people get addicted to painkillers, bro. I've even taken a painkiller. I've only taken one when I was a kid, I think. No, I've never taken one. I think my I think my brother may have had to take one when he broke his leg, but I don't know. I think I took one when I had a cavity as a kid or something. It wasn't pleasant though. I don't remember it being good. I heard one uh, like, yeah, uh, 
a lot of people get addicted to it, dude. And it's from all walks of life too. It could be like athletes. It could be like an old man that has like a nagging backache. It could be just like a young kid that wants to like feel euphoric. A bunch of different people. I've heard that in America though, like you guys used opioid-based painkillers. Yeah, that's the one that's showing up right now as I'm Googling it. Like opioids coming up a lot. Another thing is called codeine. So codeine is something that rappers drink a lot. Like I think it's like you mix cough syrup and something What? else and Sprite and like you drink it. And some rappers will get a heart attack at a very early age. So it's like if you're not monitoring this sort of stuff, if you're not asking for prescriptions, like you're really trying to make the human judge for themselves the amount that they're responsible for, a lot of early deaths can happen, man. Man, people don't do dumb shit like that here. Like never heard of these things. For now. For now, for now. Who knows? Maybe we will have to introduce those laws, but some weird stuff happens, man. Like it's uh, natural selection, bro. Let it happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's like whenever we evolve right like let's say different things are evolving there's also problems that are being introduced that weren't introduced before like these rappers that are over here drinking like the cough syrup and sprite you know how it started like it started i believe in houston and as the rap music was evolving from like really fast lyricism um in houston they appreciate the very slow style it's called chopped and screwed So it actually feels more trippy. It's like very soft paced. So due to the music evolving that way in the geographic location of Houston, they want something that amplifies that. They don't want to drink caffeine with this type of music. They want something that makes them feel slow. And that's when they get the painkiller. So it's like naturally as the music is evolving one way, the drug usage is being introduced as a problem. And most things happen like that. Like harsh like let's say you start like a business like you introduce a new solution and then like you could see certain people like like problems coming like you introduce a new product it's giving people value and suddenly uh, there's another group of people that are stealing your products you see so with mm-hmm. evolution comes like additional problems that you weren't expecting yeah there are more desires obviously i'm just i'm a little shocked by how much balls people in your country have is drinking medicines yeah man I, but i don't want you to frame it as like it's a us thing it's like little pockets bro like you you will see that too like let's say i think you were mentioning in india like there's some high like labor intensive jobs and these guys like will typically drink alcohol beforehand right they don't drink alcohol beforehand they they use mm-hmm. a lot of chewing tobacco But didn't you mention in our past episode there was like this one job that like people just drink and then they do it cuz it's so boring and menial. Oh, they don't drink and they do it. So these a lot of these menial jobs, right? Mm-hmm. They will they will have a lot of chewing tobacco while doing it. A lot of people in India are addicted to chewing tobacco. And the reason is that they do these menial jobs which are so boring that they kind of they need that thing to do it. and now they're addicted so if you take driving right a lot of drivers need chewing tobacco simply because if you drive all day it's, it's a mindless activity and then you need some stimulation drinking people drink when they have to do some kind of dirty work like clean the gutter yeah that guy is going to be drunk as fuck mm. now imagine and he's going to be drunk on like cheap alcohol like not good for his health 
making him cough up blood every once in a while. Yeah. Thing, man. Yeah, because alcohol is expensive, right? Quality alcohol is expensive, and this guy is trying to like get drunk in like fifteen cent or something. So there's something called tharra apparently, which is like called like it's like a desi daru, like an Indian version of daru. It's made locally, and it's extremely concentrated. I don't know, but I've heard like maybe half of it is alcohol or something. Okay, okay. Now imagine like this guy. is like approached by another guy who's like you know like how alcohol only gets you like drunk for 2 hours and this guy's like yeah so like, what would you do if i have something that can make you feel drunk for 4 hours now this guy's being opened up to a brand new possibility so like, yeah, yeah you just mix your cough syrup and sprite like this and then boom and now this guy is like probably telling his other buddies about that so it's not like a india problem it's more so like this particular position getting introduced to something problem yeah i can see it i can see it like in there are like for example i have friends in the movie industry right mm-hmm. and a lot of them like sometimes like a 19 year old girl and she's smoking a lot like two packs a day and i'm mm-hmm. talking to her i'm like why are you smoking that much cigarettes she, cigarettes yes and she's like This is the only way I can have career progression because if I don't smoke then I can't network. Apparently the only way you can network with people there is by smoking because people yeah. take smoke breaks and then you can go and talk to the director. Otherwise you will never talk to the director. Interesting. That's I didn't know about that. But but yes, yeah, smoking is a, a social activity as well. Yeah, I was a bit surprised I was like, "Oh, interesting." because if i want to talk to someone i just go and talk to them i don't you know i don't need someone to be on a smoke break i'd be like hey do this you could do that but like like here's the thing a 19 year old intern yeah they can't do that i guess yeah yeah but, but there's like studies that show that like the one of the best times to have a deep conversation with someone is late at night because both of your guards are down so i'm assuming that like it's a similar dynamic when people are smoking a cigarette because you're turning a very formal atmosphere of like the movie scene and like work to an informal atmosphere where it's here similar stuff too or like if you really want that promotion sometimes you got to like go out with the boss and the team and just have a drink and in that informal setting conversations are coming up and someone will be like hey how come you haven't gotten a promotion and that idea has been planted so it's planted in the like the bar informal scene versus the office formal scene so the environment is playing a role it makes a difference it makes a big difference yeah where if you're in new york uh, like there's certain sales jobs where like it's normal to you know you know what that means i don't know take, cocaine yeah take a line and then like boom you're like super alert so what street what street I told you like with uh, Walt Disney like his animators bunch of cigarettes like you just had to drink cigarettes because to draw something like a scene over and over it's so freaking tedious or like you need to be on something I don't know have you how how often do you do these drugs or how often do you drink I don't drink Oh nice. I don't drink either. <laughs> something <laughs> like with alcohol, the wrong people to talk about drugs. <laughs> yeah, something with alcohol like it, it makes it, it it's like a nasty smell. 
I don't bro, know I'm about gonna... the smell. I just don't like the taste. I've tried it. it tastes like bro, crap. It, Plus, like, it's not healthy, so fuck it. I just seen like alcoholics and stuff before. It's just like I, I saw like one of their like their tooth f- fall out and like some guys like get DUIs. Like it's just I don't judge people that do drink. Like if you're gonna drink, like because. Uh, when someone th- that doesn't drink sees someone that drinks, they're like, oh, my goodness, like, w- what a low life. But everyone has something, like, where, you know, they, uh, like, a lot of people that do drink do it responsibly. So I have nothing against that. And the closest thing with me, like, feeling like that buzz is, like, through the intermittent fasting. Like, after a certain period, it's just, like, whoosh, it feels like you're floating, like, in a good way. Like, you have energy. You just got to go through the initial pang of hunger, then boom. Do you have anything that's just kind of like makes you feel like you're flying a little bit? Deadlifts. Mm-hmm. Okay. It just takes away the blood in your brain for a while, right? Like right. Sit for a while. So it's a good workout does that, especially if you're working out your legs. Yeah, the gym definitely does that. Otherwise, the things I do that, I really like closing. So if I'm making sales, I, I love the feeling. Hmm. So I I really enjoy the feeling of closing. I really really do. You you kind of like get a new client or make a sale you weren't expecting it or it was super give easy a, give to a real do. answer, bro. Give me like talking about business and deadlifts. What fucked up shit do you do? That's what I'm trying to ask you. What fucked up shit do I do? <laughs> Everyone loves sales. Man, you're talking to a guy who sleeps on the floor, so it's like a hard question sleep- to answer for me. Why do you sleep on the floor? I found some time ago that I was not being so productive. And I think it was because ever since I moved into, moved into the new apartment, right? It has so much technology and so much stuff that it's too comfortable. Like I press a button, hot water comes out and things like that. So I've kind of been depriving myself from a lot of the luxuries by like sleeping on the floor, bathing only in cold water and things like that. Aha, uh-huh. you want those cold shower guys now? Not exactly cold shower because in India the temperature is warm enough that even without the heater, the water is warm. But my point is that you're asking the wrong person. I don't really do that much fucked up stuff, to be honest. I, I can't think of anything. Okay, we'll come back to that. But the floor thing. Give like, me examples. Yeah. Give me examples. Maybe like something I do fucked up that I don't think is fucked up. Do you, and by fucked up, I don't mean like you're a bad person, but it's just something that like a segment of people may judge you for. Like, okay, so you don't drink or do you drink? I don't, I don't drink. I don't drink. Um, You smoke cigarettes? I don't, I don't smoke cigarettes. Never smoked one in my life. Are you like a sex addict? No. Are you, uh, are you a gamer? No. You... Man, you're making me sound boring as fuck. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 it's not a boring thing. It's like, I know, I know. <laughs> I'm just making a joke. <laughs> it could be something that like you do that I won't even think about asking you, and you'll be like, "Wait, you don't do that?" I'm like, you do that? Like, so because we have different <laughs> cultural backgrounds, so it's just like, um, actually, and also there's like a embarrassment factor too, where like I, I don't think now that I'm thinking about it, I'm like, I don't think anyone will like actually answer that question on a on a podcast so no i don't mind answering the question i just can't think of anything yeah like i have um, an almost exclusive date bond? Bond? 
No, no, man. That makes your teeth red. I'm not going to do that. Have you ever tried it? No. You know, I've had pan? the pan, which is like the one you have after dinner. It's supposed to be like a mouth freshener. But I've never had thing they sell on the road, which has tuna and everything. Are you like really into like spicy food that can make your mouth hurt? Oh, I love spicy food. Like it, I'm talking about like it could like it has the borderline make your mouth hurt. Not just like Man, regular spicy. I am Indian. I'm telling you, I remember like I've, sometimes I go out with like, you know, white people or foreigners and they can't handle spice at all. So like. Something that I would not consider spicy, they'd be like, too spicy, too spicy. <laughs> I'm like, the spiciest thing, I haven't even ordered it yet. The paneer <laughs> guys on the way. But is it spicy for you though? Or is it just spicy for them? So there are things that I can eat that I really like that they can't even have a bite of. Mm-hmm. So for example, one of my favorite things is mirchi ki chutney, which is like literally a chutney made out of crushed pepper. Right. Okay. And it's really spicy, right? It's just pepper crushed mixed with water, blended with water. And I don't see any foreigner eating that, (laughs) except maybe Mexicans. (laughs) How are you meeting foreigners? No comment. Or is it, it's no comment. Okay, okay, so that's something. Because for a lot of people, like, they'll be like, wait, what? Like, you do what? Why would you want your mouth to be in pain when you eat? It's not in pain. It's a good feeling. No, but okay, so th- that's not what I'm talking about then. I'm talking about like there's a group of people that like want that like actual like, I know, I know, I know. The, the burning sensation. Yeah, that's a good feeling. I like it. Okay, okay. So th- that may be your thing. Do you overspend ever? Like, are you like a shopaholic kind of guy? I don't know. I've I've heard like uh, the people, I the, fr- the friends I have, they will tell me like you just spend money like without thinking. And I'm like, I did not spend that much money. So my paradigm is a bit different in the sense that I remember I I was out with this friend of mine and uh, I bought a shirt. The shirt cost like 4,000 rupees, like $50. And I didn't think too much about it. I mean, shirt, who cares? Mm-hmm. She's like, you bought a shirt which costs 4,000 rupees. That's fucking insane. Right. And so I think we have, I think, other people might classify me as an overspender. I don't think I am an overspender. I don't spend that much money, in my opinion, but or at least by Western standards. But to an Indian, I'd be like, I'm out of control. Okay. But you're not spending it like that much. It's just like when you actually need it. No, in the sense that, I mean... For example, I, I kind of dropped my phone once and kind of cracked all the way. And I was like, I just laughed it off. I just got a new phone the next day. And, you know, I was walking with this person, like this guy. And he's like, why are you laughing? Your phone's like, you know, just thrashed your phone. I'm like, it's a phone. Mm. I, I didn't think too much about it. I just got a new phone. See, for you, I don't think it's a problem. I just think you have a lot of money and like you don't sweat it. So I wouldn't say that's like quite what I'm talking about. So it's a good thing. Like I don't think you have a problem with spending. Um, I actually have a list pulled up. <laughs> so, yeah, like, okay. let's, let's go on it. Let's find something I can improve on. Do you? Um, I don't know if I asked you. Are you? Do you have like a sweet tooth? Yeah, I'm into sweet food. Yes. Like, do you eat it like a lot, a lot? Like sometimes, like if you get some Oreos, like do you have to like most likely finish it all? So the thing is, if I 
there's, there's a reason why I don't eat sweet food. It's simply because if I start eating it, I start craving it more and more. So if I can't have two biscuits, if there's a pack of biscuits, then I'll either finish it or I won't have it at all. So I never okay. have it. So if you give me like a chocolate, I, I won't eat like one square of it. I'll eat the entire thing. So typically I will not take the first square. <laughs> okay. That's sort of weird, but I don't think that's weird, weird. You know what I'm saying? Do you... See, I'll, um... I'll give you an example, okay? okay Every okay. day, I typically have a protein bar, but I only have, I only order one bar per day. In the sense, I don't like buy 10 bars and keep it in the fridge. Every day I order a bar and a new bar is delivered to me. I've tried keeping more bars, but then when I'm feeling hungry, I just look at the protein bar and I'm like, okay, so this is healthy. I can eat this. And then I'll eat, eat like four protein bars that day. So with these sweet things, right, I find it harder to not overeat them. So typically I will not eat them at all or only order them in very small quantities. So even if I want more, I can't have it. Okay. I'm the opposite. I don't like sweets that much. Like if I'm going to eat that. You haven't had the good ones. Like chocolates are not sweets, by the way. Like No, no, you're just... talking about like Roshukola and like You're talking about like desi sweets. Yeah, yeah. I hate I don't like desi sweets. I like American sweets better. Show me a desi, tongue. something is wrong. Desi sweets are too sweet. And you're and, not and, having you, the good ones. Like, if they're too sweet then they're like being cheap because they're no, putting man, sugar like, instead of the mava. No, some places like like rasgulla jalebi and stuff I, I don't like those. No, but things like uh, katli, right? It, katli is a combination of cashews like cashews and sugar. So if it's too sweet then they're trying to save money by not giving you enough kaju and just putting lots of sugar in it. How do you spell katli? K A T L I. So you might be going to a very cheap place and they might be scamming you by giving you too much sugar. No, no, no. Uh, because some are very sweet, some aren't that sweet. Katli, I've had katli. It's good, but it's not like it's not like uh Milky Way good. And I'm not a sweets guy. I'm not a sweet oh, guy okay. but like if 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 so I don't have a dog in the fight in this harsh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a dog in the fight. It's just me like like desi sweets I think it's a little too extravagant. But food wise like I'm talking about like the main dishes I think the desis win. It beats the Americans. But sweets wise I think the Americans beat the desis. So when I was a kid right I used to like chocolate way more than these Indian sweets but as I've grown older I like the Indian sweets much more it has more variety different tastes I can see and a case big made for that frankly lesser sugar if you if you if you go to an expensive place you can get sweets which have like very little sugar mostly dry fruits Yeah I I tried it man like I I tried to get into it but I I could definitely see a case being made for why someone likes the indian ones better um do you do you bite your nails a lot oh yeah this is a bad habit i don't uh, do it anymore but i used to mm-hmm. do it as a kid and now my nails have like gotten far back in the sense that so i have a couple of rounded fingers now so it's a it's a something i damage added to myself as a kid right. i don't do it anymore as an adult obviously but as a kid yeah i used to bite my nails a lot a lot mm, okay you gossip a lot no are are you on reddit a lot i feel like you're a reddit guy man i compare redditors to rapists and journalists to what i compare redditors like consider redditors to be the equivalent 
like and in the same category as journalists and rapists like i have one category for three people and journalists rapists and writers are in the same category why do you have such a low view of redditors for just having known some redditors like, they, they never get they weird? they're the type of people who never step out of the house they just spend their time on the internet play video games redditors are the scum of the earth really man i i mean don't quote me but i feel like that's a very polarized comment you just made cuz it's a tongue in cheek joke obviously <laughs> okay okay no 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 cuz I, i like the redditors i know like are really into reddit and they'll be like trust me bro like the it's the subreddit that you're on you got to let me introduce you to the right reddits like they're like really into it i'm just triggering all the redditors so. okay you know cuz i mean I, i could definitely uh, being uh, see something like that happening um they, ha- they haven't gone out of the house in years when the sun hits them they're like oh this exists <laughs> see reddit reddit and quora like those two like i don't use it that much but i know like people who use it are like hardcore into it they're like bro you got to get on quora i don't know if i'm even pronouncing it correctly or you got to do reddit every now and then though bro i'll be looking for an answer to something and i'll see like a redditor or like a reddit thread on it and it's pretty useful so i i think it depends i heard reddit is like a universe and each one like each subreddit is like a different planet man you're right about that so the main thing i found reddit useful for is putting it at the end of a google search query mm so you know for example my skin is flaking off what do i do reddit oh yeah that's how i found out how to cook beef stew now that i it? think about it yeah cuz anytime yeah. i was trying to cook beef stew for like a couple of years back it just came out too dry and i was just like why is this happening and i searched for it and someone was like you need to leave the beef stew in it until the water disappears and add in some vinegar for the acidity of it tried it and it worked yeah it's an interesting side but i they typically just use it as like a search query like reddit something okay that makes sense. you you don't surf it yeah i don't surf it i don't have the time are you like a like an attention hog what do you mean like when you go like let's say like you guys are all hanging with your friends like you always need the spotlight to be on you sometimes mm okay okay like is this something that like you need or is it something like what the times you do go out in a social event you don't mind i don't mind it do you have an anger I, issue not that much no it okay. used to be much worse though okay well the list goes up to 170 so i'm not going to ask you let's do it let's do it <laughs> i i see like, you mm-hmm. if you had asked me 5 years ago do you have an anger issue i would have said yes but not anymore okay when did it stop no i was just too intense with people i, w- I would have like more expectations and they were capable of in the sense that you know when you do something you are you do it correctly right but when other people do it you're delegating something that person may lack the creativity or the skills to do it and you're just getting annoyed at them like come on man do it do it do it right something like you learn the hard way that everybody is not you and nitpicking. you may lack skills they have yeah not nitpicking them but you're well for example love, you're doing tough love on people who don't want tough love don't on exactly them. yeah they don't want tough love and you're like giving them tough love and you're getting annoyed by it do you curse a lot i mean from I our curse a lot 
You do? It depends. It depends with on who I'm talking with. But I curse every once in a while, yeah. It's fun. Like I like cursing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't hear you curse that much in these podcasts. I don't curse in English. I'm too civilized. <laughs> okay, so that's why you don't curse that much in these episodes. You have before, but not like something where I'm like, oh, oh my. Like, what have I gotten myself I, into? <laughs> I typically just use the F word a lot. Okay. Okay. But it's something um, I would like to drop. You know, oh, have you heard that the word is the shadow of an action? Yeah, I have. Um, that's something that, yeah, I could definitely see a case being made for that because I, I do drop like curse words sometimes. I did have like this uh, public speaking like mentor before who's like, if you really mean it, like you really believe in your message and a curse word falls out, then it falls out. Like there's no harm in that. Um, and that made like a dent on me because like sometimes like the message is so important where like you hit it with a curse word and it like really pierces into the other person's subconscious mind. But then I could also see like the case where it's like, it's not, it's not appropriate at, at times where yeah, I, I guess I could see myself like getting melting it away in the future. I, I don't think it, the time is now yet, but I could see it in the future. Do you um, like when you're angry at someone, like let's say you're disciplining someone, do you yell at them or do you like do like the disappointment logic? Oh, I yell. Oh, you yell at them? Oh, I can say one thing. I'm very impatient. That's something I need to work on. Mm, like, okay, okay. Impatient is very broad. Like, what do you mean? Like, impatient when, uh, with business, with text messages, when someone's showing you an attitude, you're like, eh, I don't really even need this person. Like, boom. Impatient in the sense that if I was, if I record a podcast, I would publish it in like the next 20 minutes. I won't like spend too much time editing it. I'll be like, done, finished, published. I, I jumped like this one. that way. <laughs> Yeah, this one has more work, right? We have to give it to our employee to edit it yeah. and everything. Yeah. But like, if I'm making something, I just like hit publish. I wrote an article, I hit publish. And then someone will send me like five typos in the article. Mm. <laughs> so I'm not a perfectionist, but I'm also impatient. So that's one thing. And even while teaching, right? If someone's slow, it annoys me. I have to, I have to control myself from raising my voice. For example, if I'm teaching you how to use WordPress and you just aren't getting it, come on, man. It's simple as hell. Just do it. Right. Are you impatient with, like you mentioned with business, with teaching? What about just social life? You no, know, in social life, I'm not impatient. I don't, I don't care enough. Mm, gotcha. Like, let's say someone is um making you wait. That annoys you? Oh, that annoys me a lot. Okay. I don't like having my time wasted. It just pisses me off. Right. Do you... Um, see, some of them, like, I've talked to you so much, like, I know, like, you don't do these. Like, do you brag? Only to teach, but not for pleasure. <laughs> only to teach. <laughs> what do you mean only to teach? Um, for example, I have a young cousin brother visiting and I was bragging to him how many steps I walked today. Mm, and I, I was gotcha. making fun of him for walking less than me. Like, look, you're lazy as hell, you're inferior, you can't even walk that much. 
Right. And now he's walking more to like compete with me. Things like that. Okay. Okay. That's that's not too bad. Are you like addicted to the computer? Because you mentioned you have to look at the screen a lot. Oh, like, man, do you find man. it? Yeah. Yeah. I am definitely addicted to Twitter at this point. I'm in the sense that sometimes I will catch myself being like, okay, I'm putting, I'm since I do Twitter for life math money, right? I have to be on it a lot. And sometimes I'll be like, I, I turn it off on my computer because it's a waste of time. And then I will go and turn my PC off and I will take my phone and I'll turn Twitter on. And I'm like, really? wait a minute, I just turned it off here. Why am I turning it on here? And it's unconscious in the sense that you have to like hold yourself from doing it. So every once in a while, I just delete the app or the Twitter app from my phone to just get rid of the addiction. Then it builds up again. It's something, it's like a Twitter and all these social media apps, right? They're designed to be addictive. Mm-hmm. And because people like me, we have to spend so much time on it. It's an occupational hazard. You could say that you become addicted to them. Then you have to quit that addiction. Then it happens over and over again. So yeah, it does happen. I, I think like um, a while back, I could see a case for me, at least being addicted to Twitter. But and it was just like literally for like two to three months. That's why sometimes it's good to write because when you write, it like helps you like third perspective yourself. And I wrote a newsletter on why like I was getting addicted. It's because like the feed was good back then. Nowadays, bro, like I'm not going to lie. Like I, I find Twitter feed so annoying. Like I get shown stuff I don't want to see in the first place of all these different people that I don't follow. Like, sure, you could switch to the people you are following. Eh, whatever. Like, I see a bunch of crap. Even like their like what's new section, I see the same shit all the time. Chat GPT, Megan Markel, and like free the Tates. Like, like the, it's like they don't adjust the. I don't know if like it's just my Twitter or like other people's Twitter, but it's like. Twitter's just boring to me nowadays. Like, I like to create on it, but consumption-wise, like, sometimes I'll even be looking for certain things, like, specifically to see a commentary on it, and it's like, I can't even find it. I'm like, what the heck? Um, This is where, like, stuff like Instagram, like, the shorts and the TikTok shorts are, I think, more entertaining than Twitter. Because TikTok, like some of the stuff is like straight BS, but some of the stuff are pretty unique. Like sometimes you'll like discover like documentaries on like a serial killer. You're like, huh, let let me uh, like, and it just introduces you to a idea you didn't know about before. And it's like, if you just like look at the interesting stuff, they show you some interesting stuff, but you guys go through a lot of trash. Interesting. Do you? Uh, okay. Yeah, Twitter Twitter feed is not so good nowadays. That's true. Yeah. Maybe one of those flaws could be that I enjoy praise because right now I'm enjoying this a lot, this conversation. I have no vices. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I found one, man. You're guilty of this. Which one? Sleeping with makeup on. <laughs> Sleeping with makeup on. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's definitely <laughs> happening. You know, waking up and the girl's makeup is on the bed. <laughs> oh, man. Ben, th- this list goes on for being unfriendly. You don't seem like an unfriendly guy. Um, Wait, why sleeping with makeup on? Like, Do people do that? They sleep with makeup on? Yeah, I think some girls will say that they've they've been guilty of that. 
Because, oh, like, there's, okay. like, a wipe that, like, you're supposed to actually use to wipe the makeup off. Some, See, typically, some people I don't do that. girls who don't use makeup. I like girls who look good without makeup. Yeah. But, hmm, okay. And when you say that, do they take that as an insult or no? No. No, they I mean, take it as a, no, you mean it as a compliment. But some people, like, let's say the girl is wearing the makeup. And you say, I like girls when they're not wearing makeup. Or you tell this girl, like, hey, you look better without the makeup. They get offended at times because it takes a while to put up the makeup. And a lot of them view it as art. So from our perspective, we're trying to say, like, hey, um, you look you you have natural this, beauty. Yeah. But, they're, but they're saying, like, well, what are you saying? Are you saying I wear too much makeup? <laughs> yeah, that's not happened to me, but I can see that happen, yes. Yeah. Are you let me see? Do you have a lot of tabs open? Yeah, typically I have a lot of tabs open. Yeah, man. So I think this conversation, like, it's sort of derailed from what we were initially talking about. I don't mean like bad habits like this, where like everyone has that, but it's like one of those haymaker habits where it's like, I mean, it doesn't really seem like you have many that like we established, but it could like the more that we look, we could probably find something like that. Yeah, probably. So, Maybe I'm doing something without realizing it. Yeah. That or might you, be like. Um, man. Um, so on uh, when we were initially talking about the TikTok thing, there was this funny thing that popped up, which I didn't even know was a thing. Have you ever heard of no tip trip? I have not heard of that. Tell me. <laughs> have you heard of DoorDash? You were the one who told me about DoorDash. Yeah, so it's kind of like uh, like this. It's like Uber Eats. You you have Uber Eats, right? We used to. Yeah, so DoorDash pretty much just delivers your food. So the difference between DoorDash and Uber Eats is that with Uber Eats, you can give the tip after you get your food. But with DoorDash, you have to tip the driver like beforehand. Right? You with mm -hmm. me so far? So yeah. what happens is that a lot of the times uh, the the people don't tip the drivers. So I, I stumble on this little niche of a TikTok where there's DoorDash drivers that are really annoyed, right? They're just like, look at this. This is a no tip trip. It's only $2 for a five mile ride. So a lot of them will just decline. And when it declines, it goes to another driver and it tries to give a little bit more money. But sometimes, Harsh, what happens is one driver will see like, oh, well, this person didn't tip, but they will accept, right? They, mm -hmm. they accept, and then they take the food to the person who ordered, and they confront them. They're like, I noticed you didn't leave a tip. How come you didn't leave a tip? And they're recording this whole interaction. Man, <laughs> is that even legal to record yeah, someone and, like that? And the other guy that's getting confronted, he's like, uh, I, I did leave a tip. The guy's like, no, you didn't. Look, it shows zero dollars. The guy's like, oh, okay, let me go to my house. And this guy's wearing his pajamas and everything, just getting confronted. And these TikToks are going viral. I was like, holy shit. Like, this is actually a thing. Oh, what the fuck? That's insane. Do you expect a tip? Yes. And no, okay. So this is the crazy part. I was reading the comments and it is highly polarized. One group of people are like, I'm on the driver's side. Like, how the hell are you going to 
order someone to pick up food for you and you're not going to tip. And then there's another group of people that are like, hey, you don't have to tip. Like, what's this idea of you like expecting a tip? Yeah, that's so it's crazy. So polarized. I mean, it's, I mean you're, not, you're not you're not like asking for a favor by having him pick up your food, right? He's being paid a salary from his company. So if he wants more money, then he should ask his company to increase his salary. You're not expected to, you know, contribute to his salary. That's something that should be coming from his company. But in right. your country, I've heard that the salaries are so low because they know that people will tip. So it's kind of like now you have to tip because the salary is low because you are expected to tip. But in my opinion, the salary should be high enough that you don't have to tip. In fact, a lot of high-end places in India will not accept a tip. So I don't know if it's um, like DoorDash goes by salary. I think it's like um, order per order. So so it was something that was unique. I, I was just like, whoa, this is a very polarized thing. And I think DoorDash is a little like to blame too. It's like, wait a minute. <laughs> Why are you guys making people tip before they get their actual food? Because sometimes you'll order food and it gets delivered to the wrong place. And imagine you already tipped the person and now there's inconvenience. Why aren't you guys like Uber Eats where you could tip after? A certain times, bro, like you'll see like these videos, like it gets pretty heated. Like there was this one video where it was like this big man and he's like aggressively knocking at the door. And he's just like, uh, like, you know, he's knocking at the door because he didn't give, get a tip. Then he starts calling the person. And it's a woman in the place. And she's like, uh, hello. And he's like, hey, I noticed you didn't uh, put a tip. Uh, were you expecting to give a cash tip? Because some people, like, they don't tip on the app, but they tip in person. And the girl just hangs up on him. And he just leaves in rage. But this guy, like, now knows where she lives. And he's pissed off. He's a big dude. And I'm just like, man, like, I didn't even know this was, like, a thing. But there's, like, a niche in TikTok. It's called No Tip Trip. Man, that is fucking insane. That is but, fucking insane. But And these videos are going viral. Like, like, they don't even blur out, like, these people's faces. So you see someone getting confronted for not tipping. And um, their face is being shown. So now, like, there's, like, a, like a hate mob on them. They're like, look at this. Like, this is a piece of shit right here. Um, and some people are like, you know, it's a very polarized debate. Oh, by the way, if anyone listening is a victim of something like this, go to copyrightsamurai.com and fill out the form. We can help you. Oh, you could take those videos down? Yes. We have a nice. team of lawyers who can help with this. And you should be promoting yourself in the hashtag no tip trip. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm telling you, life math money is not that you know profitable for me. But yeah, if someone is a victim of these things, we can help with this. It's a company I invested in. CopyrightSamurai.com Hmm. Some of these drivers will like, when they see they don't give a tip, they will intentionally place the bag in the wrong place. Oh, is it? Yeah. So one time this guy was trying to place the bag in the wrong house, but this house had a ring. You know what a ring is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So the, the house owner is like, hey, sir, I didn't order uh, Papa John's. You're delivering it to the wrong house. <laughs> so he blew the DoorDash guy's cover. Um, ah. So you never well, know. Like the DoorDash guy is like, you can have it. This is your pizza now. <laughs> this is yours now, you know. So 
But, but I then, wonder what happens if the door, DoorDash guy just keeps the pizza. Okay, I, I'm going to have half the pizza. And this is where, like, sometimes it's difficult to trust people because, you know, like, a lot of these people, like, create these TikToks to promote their YouTube channel, right? So I saw one of the, one of the people that, um, I think his name is Dashing Trader. He has, like, these TikToks, and he'll, like, try to promote it on his YouTube videos. I'm watching his YouTube videos, and... It's not just him confronting the whole time. He's basically like, because imagine hypothetically, Harsh, you want to make extra money. You don't know anything about online business or stuff. And you hear about DoorDash. What are you going to first do? You're going to go on YouTube, right? And see what it's about, how to set it up. Mm -hmm. So this guy, like who's known for confronting people in TikTok, his YouTube uh, channel actually covers like that sort of stuff for basic people who wants to get in. And he has a segment where he basically records this dash. That's what it's called. It's called a dash. Mm. And he's basically, he's trying to make it look very like dramatic, right? Cause he needs content. Like he needs it to be like the story. So he's making like these trips, like seem like really hectic. And I can't tell from an outsider, like, are you dramatizing this a lot for more views or is this, DoorDash like thing just not worth that. So it's very hard to evaluate intentions when content creation is involved. Man, these content creators are, especially these YouTube, TikTok people, they're out of place a lot. Like I've seen videos where someone's just working out mm-hmm. and some chick is filming and she's like, he looked at me. Hey, right. how, how can you look at me? How can you look at me? <laughs> that guy just glanced at you while he was training. Right, his eyeballs can go anywhere, even at you, and you're blasting him on the internet for no goddamn reason. <laughs> yeah, man, it shows but they, dark size. Yeah, it's they need the content, right? So they they do anything. It's 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 a bit like prostitution. Yeah, that's actually a good way to put it. Where one of the girls like that's doing all of this stuff. Like I, I look at her, like channel, like her DoorDash channel. And like I go back to her earlier content, and she is like how to go viral, like doing all these TikTok dances. Like you could tell, like if you're judging her portfolio, she's been trying to go viral for a long time. Like she's really into like I want to be an influencer. And now it's like I'm looking at these videos, and I'm like, like she's over here getting lost in like certain dashes, and she's making the people that are like asking for their orders, like hey, we've ordered a long time ago. Where are you? She's making these people sound very violent. Like, ma'am, I'm on my way. I'm like, wait a minute, man. Like, the the lady is just being considerate and is checking up on her order. And you're being extra dramatic. So I'm over here thinking you just want to turn this into a story, right? You want to, like, imagine hypothetically DoorDash is a great job. And you're just going from beginning to end, just delivering your orders. No drama. You think that's going to get a lot of views? Yeah, man, they need they need the content. They need, they need to... the content, man. So I'm surprised people watch it without disliking it. Maybe they do dislike it. We just can't see it. Yeah, but then it wouldn't be promoted so much. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. They they're getting them from TikTok. Okay, I get it. Yeah, yeah. So that's the game, like TikTok to YouTube. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. I need to get. I need to like promote the TikTok more. I have a TikTok account. I have a guy who runs it from South Africa. Mm. Uh, it, it's at the rate true life math money. 
TikTok is banned in India, so I doubt many of our listeners will be able to go and follow it. But if you are from a country where it's illegal, add the rate true life math money it is. And on that note, Arman, it's almost 1 a.m. I need to get something to eat and get some sleep. Okay, my friend. Can we answer the two questions, three questions real quick? Yeah, of course. Okay, so Puneet, he has two follow-up questions. Okay, let me just post it here just so you could read along as I read it out loud. Mm-hmm. Okay, follow-up question. I think the advice of starting with a niche and then expanding is good because even though I'm good at SEO and web design, I want to network outside of this niche as well and show other sides of my knowledge and personality. I think tweeting about website, web design for some days and my interests on other days in between would be a good way to start it. What do you think? Sure, but I, I don't know what the context is. Is he trying to build a Twitter account or what is he trying to do? If he's trying to build a Twitter account, then I would recommend... It depends on the type of Twitter account you're trying to build. Mm-hmm. Like with LMM, right? With my account, I just talk about anything. I don't have a niche. Like the niche oh. is self-improvement for men. Wait, Harsh, he actually says what he's planning to do in his next question. So you just want me to read that real quick before you answer the first one? Oh, uh, Yeah. So question two, I was planning to build this Twitter account and leverage it to build an audience as well as connections at the same time. So that's what he started to do. Uh, okay. In that case, he could do either. He won't go wrong. It's fine. Like you can do both. You can you can either have two different accounts or have one account and talk about everything in the same account. Okay. Now, what he wants to ask is, how would you recommend reaching out? Like anything in particular, you'd message them to increase the chances of getting a reply. Yeah, message them something that they can use in the sense, don't be like, hi, can I get this? Be like, hi, I'm giving you this. For example, you know, I spotted a typo in your article, Arman, uh, so that, you know, now you can go and fix a typo. So you've gotten something from my message. So always right. give something, don't ask for something. Okay. And that's that's a good way to put it. And I would also like to add on to that. Any account right now with 10,000 followers are getting spammed in the DMs with like a bunch of like, hey, sir, would you like a ghostwriter? I will write three tweets for you and stuff. So, Man, I, mm-hmm. you're right. But if anyone listening to this, I do not want anyone writing three emails for me. I don't know who's teaching that to people. But a hundred of you have at least reached out to me that, you know, I'm going to write three emails for you. And at this point, I ask people to write the emails and I ignore them. So please do not ask me that if, you you know, please don't tell me you've written three emails for me. I don't want to read them. Don't send me that crap. Not interested. Bro. So what I'm trying to tell Puneet is try not to frame yourself in that position because a lot of people over 10,000 followers are building a blindness for that. So, I really like what Life Mac Money said, where he was like, you know, if you see that this guy writes blogs or something and you notice um, some uh, like typos or stuff like that, let him know. Man, there's a good account that does stuff like that. Um, I think he actually works with you as well. Um, or he like he proofread some of your works. Yeah, I, I pay I pay people who spot typos. I give them like two dollars for a typo. Yeah, but it's like he's a he's a cool um, he's a cool guy, and he's done the same for me. 
So oh, it's he like, does? Okay. Well, he he's like, let me uh, uh, let it be known. He's like, hey, you had a typo here, here, here. So if you could frame yourself like that, rather than being like, hey, I'll, I'll write like certain tweets for you, then you increase the likelihood of being seen. A hundred percent. Next Always one is, give, don't ask. What does it mean by displaying competence and value? Can you please explain it with an example of what's a good way to do it? Displaying competence and value is, for example, let's say that I go to a restaurant, right? There are two things that can happen. Either the restaurant might have lazy stuff. I have to keep asking, hey, 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 can someone take my order? Give me the menu, bring me some water and things like that. Or the moment I go in, a waiter comes, he gives me water, he gives me the menu and he like recommends me like these dishes are good here and makes like some small conversation. So competence is essentially your ability to perform whatever task you're supposed to perform well. And value is what the client is getting. For example, if you are a doctor, competence is you know really, you you know that the, the you know how to fix the disease the client has. And the value is that the client's disease is fixed. So of course, getting a disease fixed is a very high value thing. And competence is your ability to do it. So there can be things where you have a lot of competence in that don't have that much value. For example, if you are some kind of, you know, dancer or something and you're dancing next for someone like children, like you dance to children. So you might be really competent. You might entertain the kids a lot, but the value of entertaining kids is not very high. Not going to make that much money doing it. People don't care about it. And it's not like a big contribution to society or anything. And there are things that can be very high value that you might lack competence in. For example, there are a lot of doctors who don't really know much about nutrition and they will tell their clients, like, if you have diabetes, you need to stop eating fat and protein, eat carbs, and essentially making the disease worse. So this is something that, that this is like a low value thing. You haven't provided the client much, but, and you're not competent. So we, I, I think I messed up. But anyway, the point is that competence is your ability to do something well whether you're good or not and value is what other people are getting from it beautiful i like that yeah i mean and i'll just give you a, a quick example before we move to the next one it's like if you can like really see what someone is trying to optimize for uh and like i mean i could see that you're good at seo and web design so if you could give someone like a free tip on like, hey, I feel like this color should be this or this. You have two call to actions here. You should just have one. Um, you want to present yourself appropriately. Like if someone doesn't know you, they don't know your credentials or anything, then they may not like that. But it's like if you interact with their content beforehand, then you slide into their DMs and you're like, hey, you have two call to actions here. Uh, proper web etiquette is just to have one. That's you providing value. In some ways, that's responsible for their business improving in some way. I mean, that gentleman just um, spotting like typos in my blog posts or something like that, that's value because I'm like, well, I don't want typos. And you noticing that helps me. So it's like, show me rather than just tell me. I agree with that. I agree with that 100%. 
Okay. Anything else before we move to the next one? No, pretty much it. MK board. Gentlemen, I would like to narrate my story. I was so brainwashed about the environment at a time that I turned vegetarian and went to intern at PETA. Later, when I got red-pilled and found out quality people like you on the internet, I immediately changed back to non-vegetarian and started working out, working seriously on myself. There is just so much bullshit around, and parenting and company plays a huge role. I can't believe I was so naive to be vegetarian for more than a year. So... Um, so that was actually more so like just um, a comment. Comment. I would like to know, like, if you like hear this part, like, what was it like interning at PETA? Like, what did you exactly do? Because I'm somewhat curious about that. Um, like, man, have you was... seen the tweets by PETA? PETA is insane. No, I haven't. Why? It's insane. They say the dumbest shit. Like, they, they don't even think before they speak. They say things like eating fish is as bad as eating a cow. And they like they make these videos where there's a guy and you know he's wearing pants but he's like he's wearing a carrot like a dildo and jumping around and it's supposed to be like you know eating vegetables is good for your dick but kids follow your account oh, kids follow that account yeah what the fuck like, <laughs> what the, the guy who's wearing like a carrot <laughs> as a dildo it's on Twitter like what the fuck are you guys doing. But Twitter tweets the most insane shit. It's like fish oil is going to give you a heart attack. Like, no, it's not. That's the most, that's the dumbest thing I've heard for a long time. And they tend to tweet a lot of dumb shit. I have never seen, I have never seen Peter's Twitter account. I didn't even know they were active like that. Twitter account is like a total comedy routine. Is it? How did you discover this? It's funny because people troll them a lot. Uh, look, let me show you. It's it's insane. Okay, look look at this. Like, what the fuck kind of account is this? Like, they're f- grilling a kid here. What the fuck? Okay, let me share my screen. Like, these people are actually insane. Like, this is insanity. This is not sane behavior. One <laughs> sec. Let me. Yeah. Like they're grilling a kid. Like what the what fuck? The is... fuck? Holy shit! Why did yeah, like, I don't know, just to make a point or something. But it's like fucked up shit. How many followers do they have? A million. Really? Yeah, a million. And a, like some of it makes sense, right? If someone's torturing animals for. You know, making makeup. Yeah, that's not that's that should be stopped. But a lot of it is like just bullshit. Like, get a vegan burrito. Like, why? Why? Are they like more fans of vegetarians or vegans? Oh no, they're extra vegan. Like, you can't even have milk and anything. It's just bullshit. It, they're insane. You could drink milk and uh, all of that, right? Eat eggs. Oh, you eat eggs. Really, well, baby but... shit is actually triggering. That's me. weird. Know. That's weird to me. I've actually never seen something like that before. Yeah, they had one where like there was a guy wearing a dildo, like a carrot dildo, and uh, man, next level. Just... So the biggest difference between a vegetarian and vegan is like vegans can't do anything uh, animal related, right? Like no milk or anything like that. Yeah, they're vegans. They they have a mental disorder. Were you ever like? tempted to be a vegan no 
you've been vegetarian your whole life yeah lately i've been eating some meat though chicken uh, mostly fish when i'm traveling okay every once in a while like uh, it is too hard to get protein while traveling and i travel quite a bit so do you like do they have like the fish burgers and stuff in mcdonald's i don't have the burgers i i i don't go to mcdonald's i thought you did that for trekking yeah but i only order the one thing alu tikka alu tikka alu tikka alu tikka okay you you should try it it's, it's very tasty there's so much salt in it yeah i have a decent amount of followers in india every now and then like someone will message me and be like hey let me know whenever you're in india i'll show you around um where, where was this place hold on someone just emailed me recently um i'm not going to ask you where you live but uh let me just see something delhi is delhi cool yeah what about delhi like do do, uh, do you enjoy enjoy the area or have you well no comment no yeah, comment, no comment, no no comment. yeah <laughs> um okay so the final one i, I don't think you'll be able to answer this but divakar uh, i would like to hear harsh's opinion on the film and philosophy of fight club and how you use it in your life so when i was oh you've heard of teenager, it teenager yeah I, i this is one of my favorite movies by the way okay okay i i really love the movie but now i don't agree with the philosophy like the whole nihilism nothing matters thing i don't agree with that anymore but as like a teenager i found that to be like a very interesting way of thinking oh this is the one with the carrot okay one sec i found it look 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 i'm going to share the screen this is going to traumatize you a lot by the way i don't know if i want to see it oh i want to yeah <laughs> <laughs> trying to traumatize me so this was on peter's account i just found it on like some other account now and it's like this guy has this carrot hanging as a dildo and did you see the flashes no. like and this was posted on peter's account now it's on billy god i don't know what this is bro if there is anything that will never make me want to go vegan or whatever they're trying to promote it's this yeah it's some fucked up shit like what the fuck is this like what the fuck Oh, that's what they're promoting go via. Okay. The fuck is that? Dude, that was just repulsive. I mean, yeah, the, that the, was insane. The fact that they would actually hit publish on something like that is embarrassing. Man, that was like uh what did I just see? Do people oh, okay, wash no. my eyes with acid? I'm surprised I, like do people ever try to recruit you to become vegan or is vegetarian like the popular one? man every once in a while i'll have someone convince me to try veganism and my standard answer kind of like makes him go like what the fuck what's your standard answer animals deserve death what the heck <laughs> <laughs> bold words from a vegetarian <laughs> i'm actually surprised you've heard of uh, fight club before 
Yeah, it's, I I watched the movie back in like tenth grade or something, and I don't remember what grade I watched in like tenth or eleventh, eleventh right. probably. And yeah, I I was very impressed by the movie back then. Mm-hmm. I read the book as well, and I don't remember the book at all. Interestingly, so as you grew up, like the whole idea of nihilism, it's like the whole "what's the point" mentality didn't resonate with you. Yeah, I I don't agree with the mentality. I think a lot of things do matter a lot in life, and the whole concept of you are the dirt and that's bullshit. Like I'm not dirt, you're dirt. Speak for yourself, peasant. <laughs> so, I I don't buy it anymore. I think it's a very destructive way of thinking, because you will never build anything if you think nothing matters. You will just sit and consume and decay. yeah um like some people use the philosophy to i mean i don't know much about nihilism like it, it's the i mean from what i've heard it's like the people that say there's no purpose to life it's just or do they say you get to create your own purpose or do they just like purpose it's overrated both both okay no cuz i do notice i do know this one nihilist content creator i believe he's nihilist the way he talks says it but he his philosophy is like you should feel brave right now because the legacy is something that's not even real and like in 10 years people are going to forget about your name or 100 years something like that and that's the only thing of nihilism that i've heard and i think he's nihilist i don't even know alex hormozy have you heard of him oh yeah i really like his book uh, the 100 million dollar offers but is he nihilist I don't think so he's nihilist. I think his contention is that his grandfather had 400 kids. Mhm. And now no one knows he, who he is and he doesn't want to have kids. I I think he's making a mistake by not having kids. I think it's very important to have and pass on your genes. But I don't think he's a nihilist though. Oh okay. So no no cuz the reason I thought this was because I actually watched a long form interview with him on on the Graham Graham Stephen show. I think one of the comments said like the philosophy that Alex is talking about is nihilism and then like I'm googling it right now and I see some searches that are like Alex Hormozy is not a nihilist and then I see <laughs> some saying that like why I am a nihilist Alex Hormozy I don't know I think we should explain the term nihilist because a lot of people who are listening to this would be like what the fuck is this okay well that's what i'm thinking too like what the fuck is it do you want to explain or do you want me to like read the google definition so a nihilist is someone who rejects any kind of you know acceptable way of thinking in the sense that if you tell them this is good for you this is bad this is how we should do things they'll be like this is all this has no meaning i reject all of it and i'll do what i want and because at the end nothing matters we all die and everything is in vain so if we tell a nihilist that we should first dig a hole then put the seed in then put water in and that's how we get a good crop he'll be like who gives a shit about a good crop we're all going to die so they j- basically reject i'm just reading here one sec the definition from wikipedia it generally re- rejects accepted of accepted fundamental aspects of human existence such as objective truth knowledge morality values or meaning mm-hmm. oh, apparently nietzsche was a nihilist interesting 
I need to read some nature. I hear him quoted a lot. Apparently, a lot of his quotes are actually misquotes because his sister, after she died, she kind of rewrote his books. Mm-hmm. After he died, like his sister was translating them, and she kind of made, kind of like took out a lot of things she didn't like, added some things here and there. So, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't read any single book by Nature, so I don't know. But this is what I've heard from people who are more aware of this. Right. I hear Jordan Peterson quote him a lot. He quotes Nietzsche and Carl Jung. He does. Yeah, Carl Jung, yes. Uh, for okay. Nietzsche, I, I, I've seen some of his Is nihilistic content. Though. I don't know. I've only read the name. I haven't heard it from people. J-U-N-G. I probably um i'm like googling like famous nihilists and it's like all people's names that i can't pronounce oh, even let me turgenev frederick henrik jacobi i wonder if this is like a worldview that was like predominantly like very f- popular in a certain region and recently has been like you know more so expanding I don't know, man. I, I, yeah, I don't no, know I enough. Know. Most of these names I haven't even heard. Eugene Thatcher, John Baudillard. No idea who these people are. Right. I know Arthur Schopenhauer. I, I haven't read anything by him, but I've seen those quotes. Schopenhauer? Yeah. He was a nihilist? Actually, there are many Schopenhauers. I don't know which one. He, these guys are talking about Arthur Schopenhauer. Oh, same guy. Isn't he the I think, therefore I am guy? I don't know. I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Read more Western philosophy. I haven't. I'm mostly into Indian. I uh, Hold on. Who's that? Oh, no. That was Rene Descartes. I think Schopenhauer was a guy that was a big fan of the Upanishads. From what I've heard. Oh, was it? Okay. Hold on. He actually has like a pretty big, like famous quote about the Upanishads. Let me I think. Uh, sure. Uh, yeah, it says uh, the production, the production of the highest human wisdom. Yeah. So, have you ever read the Upanishads? I have not. I want to read them, but I have read a bit of them, mm. and I wasn't. You know, when you read something and you immediately realize that you're not ready for this. Right. It's like I need some backstudy first. Not just the backstudy. I just I'm just not what's the word for it? I, I don't have enough life experience to understand this at this moment. Something like that. Right. Because it says things like you need to experience Brahman and like I, I don't get it. But you it's said... like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's just too abstract for me at this moment at least I, I don't know about this moment i tried reading it a couple years ago so at that moment i i read a bit of it and i left it because i wasn't getting it you read the real text or the translations translations by, in english by eknot right eknot iswaran something like that no there there are a lot of people who have like tra- translated the upanishads the one i have is a good translation mm-hmm. but Oh, uh, at least when I read it a couple of years ago, some of it, 
it was just flying over my head so i stopped i, I just thought i was not ready for this at the moment i've had right. that happen with me with other books also which didn't make sense to me at a younger age which made sense to me at a later age what age did you try reading it it's been like 4 years 5 years so when i started uh-huh. when i tried to read it i was like 22 you may get it more now because you read like like the ramayan i can't even pronounce it. how do you pronounce it ramayan ramayan yes ramayan you think you'll get it more yeah, now yeah i might i might get it more now it's been a long time right 5 years is a long time but with these religious texts right like if you take the bhagavad gita i remember i read the bhagavad gita when i was like in my early teens and then i read it later as you know when i was like in my mid 20s and i just got so much more out of it when i read it later as when i would read it like when i was 14 because when you're 14 right you don't have enough life experience to actually put the wisdom into context you can't relate it to things right so when 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 god says that you can't like worry about the fruits of something and you should just focus on karma right focus on doing at 14 you can't relate to that you're like okay i mean something interesting at 26 you're like yeah that makes sense i started life math money as it wasn't supposed to do anything but it turned out to be very fruitful and there are things i did that were supposed to be fruitful which were not so i i can't really focus on the fruits because then i'd go fucking crazy right i'll be like this is not working out why is not working out and i should just focus on my actions mm-hmm. so i have more things to relate to now as an adult so i think with these religious texts it just doesn't make some you know if you don't have enough like life experience it's just not as useful to read them absolutely man like certain stuff like it doesn't make sense to you at all at a certain stage but later on like you just organically discover it like no one is telling you or anything but you just like organically are like whoa i'm back here again and now it's making all the all the sense in the world it's like the book didn't yeah. change but you changed you changed and when you read these books without enough life experience you just take them as like a set of rules you need to follow right you, you don't get why they're saying this or they might be wrong right a lot of these books they will suggest things that are wrong or just not applicable in today's world mm-hmm. so for example like there are these texts which will say like, you should marry a wife a third your age how am i going to do that like i'm if i'm like 27 should i marry like a girl who's 9 years old like that's not possible right so a lot of these religious books they will say bullshit every once in a while but like if you're reading them and you're too young you will start taking them too literally and think of them these this is the right way these are the rules of life so you need to have enough life experience to first of all understand why they're saying what they're saying and second of all to know what to disregard mhm mhm And sometimes when you're like ruling this stuff off, you want to make sure you're getting like multiple sides because sometimes like people will like just they had a bad experience with it, then they'll start like becoming like uh, like the the beacon the ambassador of why you shouldn't do it. <laughs> And then like they say it with so much conviction that it turns people away from it very quickly. Um like one of the examples here is that like I told you that Scientology story before, right? Mm-hmm. I think I think that's that was in our last episode, like the episode we never released. Oh yeah, that one where there's a hot chick who's the ambassador for Scientology. Yeah, but but like like if you're like a Scientologist, like the mecca of Scientology is like 25 minutes away from where I live in Clearwater. 
it's like, uh, like <laughs> no, like people from all over the world come. And when I was like working with my public speaking coach one time, like he was telling me and like this other guy to like really check out Scientology. And we're just like, what the hell are you talking about? Don't you hear about like the aliens and all of that stuff? Like, <laughs> we saw the South Park episode and that's all we knew. And like this guy, like he's a very esteemed um, public speaker. He's like, no, 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 trust me. You guys should go. I didn't want to go. My like buddy convinced me. We go and they have a lot of great classes on communication skills. Like they teach you like, it's weird. Like it's like I saw, like I go in the thing like for a free session. I see a guy with a cross, like a Christian cross. I'm like, wait a minute, man. You're Christian? I, 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 but you're in Scientology like area. And he's like, Scientology isn't a religion. It's a lifestyle. But I'm a Christian. I'm like, what the hell? Like, what are you talking about? So there's like these people that are like teaching us like public speaking. Because this buddy that I went with, Harsh, mm -hmm. was trying to learn motivational speaking. And I was like, you know, really starting Armani Talks. I wanted to see like, I wanted to be exposed to a bunch of different things. And they're teaching us like how to start a speech, how to use your voice in a bunch of different ways. It's called the emotional tone scale. They're teaching you all of this. And a lot of like CEOs don't like do any of the religious stuff with Scientology, but they just come for the communications classes, right? They, they teach you mm -hmm. how to work in teams and stuff. So I'm like, what the hell? Like <laughs> I had like so much of this like, I'm thinking like they think they're aliens or something like that, right? Like, have you ever seen that South Park episode? I have, I have. It's very yeah. funny. So that's all I'm thinking. And I'm just like, huh, I'm actually learning something. I'm like, this is where we draw the line. I'm not going to keep going back. But that's when they started to get a little weird. But I learned something, you know? Man, I don't know enough about Scientology, but the, the things that I have heard make them sound like crazy people. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely... Like there's no guy going to Zenu and everything. Yeah, and I, like, they were trying to, like, recruit us. And we're just like, bro, we came here because our, like, our public speaking coach told us to, like, get the public <laughs> speaking lessons from you. But, but some people were like... Food, bro. <laughs> yeah, but some people actually have a... Because, they, like, they really try to convince you to join. But, and I actually... Um, there's a book that... Because if you don't want to join, like, they're going to then try to upsell you on the book. And they're very aggressive. So you're just like, all right, I'll get the book. And it's called Dianetics. It's here somewhere where I can't find it. Um, the book is actually good in terms of just understanding the mind, like the reactive mind and all of that stuff. So they have certain stuff that is useful, but it's backed up by a lot of stuff where I'm like, I'm not really trying to, like, find out more. Like, I got what I needed, and now I'm out of here. Man. A lot of all, almost all of these religious places are like this. Not just them, right? Let's not single them out. But it's one of those things, right? Because it's so new, the religious stuff sounds crazy to us. But if you take the religious stuff in other religions, because they're older, they they sound less crazy, right? Like some guy coming back from the dead, lifting a mountain. All of these things, right? Like if you if I came up with that today, you'd be like, "Harsh, you're crazy," but because they were written a long time ago, we don't like we don't judge them that way. But for Scientology, since it's so new, we're like aliens. What the what the hell, man? But maybe two thousand years from now, people might think differently. Right, Scientology actually stands for something. Like the words, uh, hold on, I think it's like a apparently. Oh, it's like an a, acronym. Okay. 
Uh, like, bro, they, they like, how does watch these like random classes? Uh, hold on. I think it's like a blend of science and technology. Then you combine it into Scientology. Ah, interesting. I, I heard it's the only religion where they like make you pay money to like get curses removed or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard something about that. But I recall like there's like a really famous entrepreneur here. Um, I think he makes like, he he's pretty well off. And he just comes every now and then for like some public speaking classes. Some people will come because like they sa- sabotage a lot of their relationships, right? So they're just like, how come like I always push away the people that I love? So they have like these counseling stuff. Um, it was a it was a unique experience. Like, but they really teach you like how to use the voice effectively, how to manage a team. Like, they have like the communication skills classes are useful. Everything else, I know nothing about. Man, imagine a lot of people showing up for Scientology being like, I just came for the communication class because Unapologetic Truths podcast asked me to. <laughs> They'll love that. They'll actually love that because now you have your foot in the door. And that's how a lot of people start off. Um, hold on. Let me let me actually see something real quick. So you could actually watch a lot of their classes for free. Just if you, in case you're like, man, this is like spooky. Um, I don't want to actually go in the thing. I just went in because it's like right by us and our public speaking mentor was like, just please check it out. It's part of your program. And I was like, all right, whatever. But if you just type in Scientology communication skills, you'll see like communication course pop up and you could just watch the course, just understand how to use the voice, facial gestures and stuff. And it has some useful tips. If you're shy, like it teaches you how to like properly like start a conversation, initiate contact, that sort of stuff. Huh, interesting. Well, but hold luck other to stuff. all the people who follow Scientology. Yeah, like I don't know like much about like the religious aspect, but it's too it was to tie back into your initial point of where it's like at one stage you're thinking like man this is the weirdest shit ever and then at another stage you're like learning something. Not everything but at least learning something from it. You know? Yeah, so they need to do that, right? Otherwise, if they start with the whole alien stuff from day one, then no one will follow them. So they have to first say the reasonable thing so you start trusting them. Then they come up with the things that you might not believe initially. So, Right. That's a um, path. It's, it's a funnel, you could say. It's like a funnel. Yeah. Um, I also know like a lot of religious people that like um, like hate anything science related they're like no no you don't have to do science so it's like both sides there's a lot of these these like miscommunications that go on i don't know much about hinduism to even like speak about it but it seems like you're you know you're in good company arman neither do most hindus yeah (laughs) (laughs) you're um so arman i have to get sleep it's okay yeah yeah. it's almost 2 a.m here I was trying to weasel you in for an extra couple of minutes. <laughs> I, I, I was like, we got to hit the three-hour mark today because there was all this. Oh, like, we hit the three-hour mark. Three yeah. So. All right, bro. Um, let's uh, let's meet up in a couple of weeks. Sounds good. And everybody else, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. What what else do we have? Yeah, comment below. Leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform, and we will see you in two weeks. All right, peace.